When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 67 of Tales of Tamriel, a Dungeon Crawler Network production. I am your host, Jelos, and with me this afternoon, she who pretty much picks up any item she finds and goes, I don't know what this is, but can I beat my husband with it? That would be Thais. How are you today? I'm I'm feeling so good that I am doing the show, so that's, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. I, I miss being here. I really do. Well, only a couple more weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 37. 37. All right. So what is 38 is, is pop out? No, no. Anywhere between 38 and 42. All right. So 38 and 42. Possibly pop out. Yes. All right. Possibly. Possibly. I could go to 44. You never know. That, that, that would suck. But... <laughs> that would be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh Especially during the hottest part of the year, oh, don't. too. Just don't bring it up. Don't. Oh, it's so hot. It is hot. <sighs> we had we had the air conditioner running before the show, and we had to turn it off because it creates too much feedback in the mic. So it's strip podcasting. <laughs> I'm winning. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're winning. I'm winning. All right. Good thing we're not video, right? <laughs> <laughs> we would lose all of our followers. <laughs> All right, also joining us, the man running stream, not dying in Cyrodiil because he is awesome. That would be Stolian. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I think it's more come just tagging along with a giant Zerg, but, you know, we'll pretend I'm awesome. <laughs> it's all me. Not So, the, no, so nobody watch. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, have you been, you've been running around Cyrodiil a lot lately. Yeah, um, it's pretty much all that's left, isn't there? Eh, well... We'll be talking about that a little yeah. bit later. Too bad we play on different mega servers because I need that ravaging set and I I just can't bring myself to doing PvP that much, nor can I bring myself to spend the absurd amount of money it is to buy it. So I need a friend. Be my <laughs> friend and send it cross servers, please. Yeah, I've got 750,000 points to see. Oh. Although I do need the Cyrodiil's lights, but because I've seen the PvP gear that's coming out eventually, I'm like, well, I don't want to spend it. I need to save my I want to save it just because I want the skins. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Okay. Also on the in the hot seat this week, that would be Avi Optimal. How are you today, sir? 
I'm doing really good. I'm watching Esteldian in PvP, wishing I was able to get in there somehow without my computer crashing on me. <laughs> Man, you can't. You, that's kind of funny. Like you can't even. You, I think it's your like Cyrodiil just hates you in general because you can't play in Cyrodiil, and now even watching it causes you to crash. <laughs> wow. Cyrodiil just literally hates you. Avi cannot go into Cyrodiil ever. It's, it's not friendly for me. It is not. And finally, special guest yet again, our... I, 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 no, we have we already have another Brit on the show. So it's our second Brit. I was going to say favorite Brit, but then Esteldeen would leave us. I'm just kidding. Esteldeen. We know it's true. No, it's not. We, we love Esteldeen, and we love Nate. Voice. Nate, Hi. how are you? I'm fine. <clears throat> I'm also not dying in uh, Cyrodiil. I'm looking for Esteldian because he and I are enemies in the game. Oh, so I'm just just running around. I'm just going to find him in Cyrodiil oh, <laughs> to see what happens. Tell, tell Nate is, is stream sniping you right now, like literally stream sniping you. That's that's actually I, I'm actually not watching the stream in my defense. <laughs> I'm oh, just well. doing it the or, the organic way. Ah, no. If I were you, I'd literally watch the stream to find out where he's going so you can hunt him down. Yeah. That'd be so cruel. It would be. But funny. it would be funny, and I'm sure the viewers would like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Azura campaign there, so you've got to make sure you're in the right one. I certainly am in the Azura campaign. I'm prepared. Prepared. Nice. And chat room, thank you so much for coming in. I see we got a couple people already. I see Ark in there. Uh, said hi in chat. AJ, same to you. Greetings, guys. Glad to have you with us, as well as everyone else that's in chat room. Thank you for coming out. All right. Before we get started, as always, I got to say this episode has been brought to you guys by awesome fans, just like all of you, because you're all awesome. If you're currently not supporting Dungeon Crawler Network and wish to help us out, you could consider donating and becoming a patron of ours on our Patreon page. Um, you can find the links to both of those on the bottom of our website, DungeonCrawlerNetwork.com. You should also check it out because I've been working on it a lot lately, and I like it. It looks really good. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, if you're unable to support us financially but still wish to support us, this should be everyone listening and, you know, because you guys are all awesome. Please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and on our Twitch channels. Leave us a review on iTunes because we love that. Don't, don't we, guys? Don't we love those iTunes reviews? I know. Yes, we do. Yeah, Who doesn't? Who doesn't love iTunes? Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, also consider telling a friend about us because, you know, if you're listening, it's not hard for them to, you know, listen to podcasts. You should just point them out. Maybe introduce someone to podcasts in general who've never listened to them before because there's lots of us out there. You know, obviously not all of them. All of them are tales, but you should listen to us anyway. Uh, and that all helps us out so much. So we really appreciate it. All right. It is time to go into the game news. First off, we haven't done one of these in a while because Porthes has been. I don't I don't know if sick is the word. I don't know if if aliens is the word is aliens the word like I, you know what? I'm not sure what to use there. I have just been pregnant. That's... Hosting a parasite, I think. Is well, the that's where the aliens that. comes in. Yes. <laughs> Pops out. Yeah, so sometimes I just I just can't. Just my feet are too swollen, and just it's just I can't. I understand. All right, 
Well, I did play the other day, and I bought the rest of the Guar Mounts, and I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's right. Our, our subscriptions resub. We, I, I always resub six months at a time cause it's just cheaper to do it that way. If you look at it month to month and I don't foresee leaving ESO anytime in the near future. So it's like, why not? You know, who cares? I played enough. I, I like the crowns. So we played for a couple hours and I think I changed my guarm out six times. Well, you know, this is, uh, other games do this. They need to have a random mount. So add-on developers get on this Ooh. random mount button. I don't know if if it's possible. I'm sure it is. It would be. Oh, uh, they figured it out in Warcraft. I'm sure that it's possible to do it there. But they need to do like a random mount thing so I can just hit it and it randomly picks a mount. That way it just filters through them. See, that always didn't work for me because if I didn't get a mount I wanted, I'd hit the button again. I know. And again. That's fine. I like that. I like it a lot. All right. Yes. But the thing we're talking about is the Lore Master Archive, and this one should be pretty interesting. It is the courting practices in Tamriel. Ooh. Ooh. And since we have Nate with us. Hello, Nate. Hi. <laughs> and I believe this is about Hiss, so therefore this is just perfect for Thais and Nate because they are Argonian lovers like crazy. They're going to do this. So first off, I think Nate said you're going to read the fu- the book, The Hist's Fire. Okay. Yes, indeed. I can read The Hist's Fire. The Hist's Fire specifically. Hist's Fire. Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Well, then what we'll do is we'll go ahead and let you read that. And then uh, I believe you will be playing the role of the interviewer or questioner. And Thais will be playing the role of Sybil Augustine. I don't know. It's probably an imperial. That is that is correct. <laughs> is she in game? Like, can I find this person? Who? Pegarim? Or oh, the character? Yes, yeah, Sybil. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think so. Ah, oh, because I know, you like, could... in one of them, uh, which one was it? it? Was the one about the Guar? It was uh, one of these lore master archives about the Guar. The character that they interviewed was actually in the game in um in in one of the zones. Uh, what was the zone? Uh, Balfoyan. Balfoyan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I've not seen, I've not put two and two together and seen if that's the case. Okay. Well, I'm going to step back and I'm going to let you guys take it away. So book reading first. Okay. So this is The Hist's Fire, uh, written by Peg Arim. And it starts thus. Many ask us how we find our mates, as though Argonians cannot experience joy the way the Murdu. Though this seems absurd, I myself met my husband in an unusual way. I believe the Hiss spoke to both of us to ensure we would both be where we could not help but meet and fall in love. This despite my innermost belief I'd never marry. The first stir caught me by surprise. I put away items in the shop, organizing what I could amongst the clutter when suddenly I heard my own voice in my mind say, wait for him. For, I asked aloud, startled out of my reverie, silence. My quiet sensibility replaced by confusion, I turned abruptly, knocking over the lamp, which flung an arc of burning oil across the room. Oil landed everywhere, from the piles of fabric to the litter of papers and the straw scattered over the floor. In a single moment, a modest light source turned the crowded room into a fire pit. Coral tongues licked across the dried herbs hanging from the ceiling, and I realized I'd been standing still, slack-jawed, as smoke and heat and flame swirled around. The hut had never seemed so large as it did then. 
dark with smoke, bright with fire, its air filled with a dull, creaking roar. I squinted against the elements, my hand across my mouth, and staggered towards the ever-receding door. Anyone in there? Anyone? Me! I reached the door as it burst open, causing the flames to surge upwards and out. With an almost celebratory leap, a dark hand grabbed mine, pulling me out and away. Are you hurt? Coughing, I shook my head. I'm all right, but the store. We both turned to look. The fire, so unruly within the confines of the hut, had met its match with the wet thatch roof. Thank you for helping me, I said, turning to face my rescuer at last. Our eyes locked in recognition. The hist had chosen us for each other, and neither of us would need to wait any longer. The end. The end, <clears throat> Finn. <laughs> yeah, you may you may kiss the scales. <laughs> Argonians. All right, next up is Zoss is trying to figure out how to write a book in these Q&As. So there are a lot of questions, lots of questions. So, Nate, whenever you are mm -hmm. ready, you may take the role of the interviewer. Okay. Do we want to do all these questions, by the way? Oh, if you guys are up for it, I'd say why not. Cool. Okie dokie. Well, we begin where else but at the top. Um, I can't pronounce his name. Is it Dear Augustine Villian? Villian? Villian, I think, is what it would be. Villian. Esteemed Sybil of Debella. <clears throat> I write to you in the hopes that you will guide me in my struggle to win the heart of an elven lad I have laid eyes upon. He is of Altmeri stock and recently arrived from Fair Somerset to work at our Major's Guild Librarium. Dear Philandril seems more friendly and informal than most of his kin, and yet my Breton passion and charm do not suffice. There is fire in his eyes, but keeps that typical Altmeri aloofness. I have failed to win him over with our Breton poetry and witful remarks, so I ask you, how does one court the golden-skinned beauties of Somerset? How do I breach that frigid countenance? Your sincerely, Grand Enchanter Etienne Dumont of the Wayrest Majors Guild. The High Elves are famous for their interest in lineage and heritage. If you are one of the Dumonts of Golvan, your family is known for having considerable Durani contributions to your bloodline. You might mention that casually in Philandril's hearing and see if it piques his interest. Or, as you are in Wayrest, you might stop by the temple sometime and we can discuss it personally. <laughs> this one <clears throat> comes from... In fact, we don't know. Oh, yes, we do. Theophilus Drophonius. Great name. Most esteemed Sybil of Debella, to put my question bluntly, what is Debella's stance on more than two lovers in a single relationship? Right now, I am not in any relationship of the sort, nor do I have any inclination to start one. Until I have my answer, however, my scholarly, scholarly curiosity shall not be sated. Especially in these troubled times, it seems that people would seek companionship with as many as they can. And what stronger bond is there between people than that of love? Perhaps I am being arrogant in my speculation, but it seems to me that a trio or quad of lovers would be even more content than a pair. After all, more people means more love, right? I beg your forgiveness if I'm displaying the ignorance of a brute. Nevertheless, I'm curious as to what Debella's judgments is on this. Thank you for your time. Divines be with you. Ah, but the Passion Dancer bids us remember that quality of love is of the essence, not quantity. If the dance transports us, what matter the number of dancers? As to the other matter, see me Freitas night after the service. All I gotta say here first is this is a family show, 
and Debella is dirty because they just ask about like <laughs> Menage a Trois in here. So <laughs> dirty, dirty, divine. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so, so we have another one, um, and this one, most venerable Augustine villain. Oh, bloody, bloody, blah. We know that. I am a lover of the ancient traditions of my people, but I respect those of yours. I love my homeland, but I wish Morwa would have one more hand to comfort my grief. I know, Debella says, open your heart to the noble secrets of art and love. Treasure the gifts of friendship. Seek joy and inspiration in the mysteries of love. But I wonder if those noble secrets of love are open to men as they are open to women. I wonder if the eight divines are different enough for me to change. I fell in love with him when I was 14. We were friends since we were five. Since I first saw him in that way, I have never told him anything about it. We share the food, the steel, and the blood, but I fear to share my feelings. I have killed and I have bled for him. But we are nobles and our families cannot waste profitable marriage. So I ask you, and I ask Debella, could I seek joy and inspiration in the body of my beloved companion? Could such a strange love be acceptable to Debella's eyes? Could I open my heart to him freely as I wish without fear? Could he love me? I think uh, Zoss forgot to write an answer in here. Yeah, Silly right? Zoss. So. Oh, cliffhanger. <laughs> cliffhanger. Actually, <laughs> so Thais, since you're uh, the big love one, this is going to not be from Sybil, but from Thais the Argonian. <laughs> what would your response be since Zoss ever, you know, forgot to put something in? Any type of love that would be possible in the world is of course acceptable to Debella and if your feelings are so strong then you should definitely tell your beloved companion exactly how you feel you never know he could very well feel the same way about you what if he's an Altmer kill him don't do it <laughs> nice <laughs> then find kill yourself find someone else to love by spine and scale, find an alternative male. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, fun times with puns or whatever. Cool. Should we move on to the next one? We've we got a, our, yes. an Argonian in love. <clears throat> you can't beat an Argonian in love. Not even with it, not even with a sword. As an Argonian hatched and raised in Daggerfall, I have a fairly good understanding of how most see intimate relationships with those that are deemed uncivilized. Being newly matured in such a place has been um, <clears throat> lonely until recently, that is. But now I find myself on the other side of the debate. Four months ago, I was exploring just off the shores of Glenumbra, looking for any sunken item that I could sell when I overheard the loud cries of a harpy. I came ashore to help. To my surprise, I did not find some astray tourist and attack by a flock, but the reverse. A single harpy matron, the ones with dark feathers and jewellery, was being robbed by three red guards, not just of her finery, but of her eggs. As a male Argonian, this sent me into a rage. After diving off the trio, the matron had rewarded me quite affectionately. Uh -huh. I have been visiting her each week, and each time I leave, she seems even sadder to see me go. I have made up my mind to make this relationship permanent. While I know how others will see it, I'll willingly take their insults, but my greatest concern is that of goddess of affection, or the goddess of affection. We'll see our love as blasphemous or tainted. Am I overreacting, or must I live in fear of the divine? Sincerely, Dives for Treasure. 
The heart seeks what it desires, noble baron and lusty Argonian, regardless of the chest it beats within. If your affection is pure and untainted by coercion, it is blessed in the eyes of Dabella. For has she not said, no matter the seed, if the shoot is nurtured with love, will not the flower be beautiful? That's filthy. Filthy. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arkanir in chat has has dubbed Dabella goddess of naughty, naughty stuff. So there you go. <laughs> I like the next comment. LOL. Kill him. Best advice on loving Almers. There you go. <laughs> I, I love I, it. I always role play with mine, my Altmer that I made, that uh, she's a battle captive. So. She's a sex slave. Pretty much, yeah. It's the only proper way. If you don't kill them, you gotta capture them and, you know, get into even more kinky stuff. Did yeah. You praise Debella. Praise Debella. Okay. Hey, awesome. Whatever. Whatever works. Shall I move on to the next? Absolutely. I think we have an elven problem here. Oh, my. <clears throat> oh, no. Maybe not, actually. Breton. Um, Hail, Augustine Villian. I am Alicia Morellian, a humble Breton apprentice within the Camlorn Majors Guild, and I beg for your aid. I am besotted by the beauty of two of my masters, one an Altmer with the most noble bearing and countenance, the other a Dunmer, whose red eyes and grey ashen skin deeply intrigue me for their exotic beauty. I think on them every night, hoping for inspiration from Debella as to how to win their favour. But this has only resulted in complaints from the guildhouse servants that I ought to wash my own bedclothes from now on. How should I court the noble Esther Darlin, if that is indeed how one pronounces it, given that Altma generally view men as inferior and are allegedly so concerned about purity of bloodline? I have turned to my fellow apprentices for advice, but they have no more idea of how to court and win the affections of these myrrh than they do about casting a competent healing spell. They tell me that high elves must surely be stuffy and pompous within their bedchambers, and that I ought to focus on Brillane Halervu, given the reputation of dark elves. Is there any truth in that? How should I go about winning her favour? She doesn't seem to like any other races very much, persisting in calling out Noir and Sawitz at anyone who wanders past her study. Kind regards. Um, before, before you answer, <laughs> AJ in chat goes, I thought this was a family show, Ag. I did too, but apparently Zoss is really screwing with me today. Uh, and as for the contest winner, um, that has not been chosen yet. I'll explain that later. You may continue. A dilemma indeed. Regarding the High Elf, see my answer to Enchanter Dumont above. Perhaps you can intrigue your fair Altmer with something along those lines. As for the Dark Elf, I can confirm their reputation for an appetite for amorous dalliance from personal experience. If she wears her neck scarf with the point on the left toward her heart, this may be taken as a signal that she is open to approach. But if it points to the right, beware. More to the point, as it were, is where your true feelings lie, young Alisair. Consult your own heart on this matter. And don't be too shy to speak to our Camlorn Sybil, Lady Sequeen. Aww. I think this next one might even be one that uh, Agelos might be better answering. Let's find <laughs> out. <clears throat> Hello, Sybil. I have a question for you. After reading various Nordic narratives from our libraries, it seems that the old Nords were practicing 
polygamy. Notably in the famous recital of the 500 companions during the Feast of the Dead, where the companions are cited with their numerous husbands and or wives. But I fail to find any modern reference about it. I'm wondering, what's happened to this practice? Is the polygamy still a thing of the Nords? Go ahead and you read Sybil's response, and then I will reply for the Nords. Okay. I'm afraid that you have fallen into a common misconception about the early Nords, one based on their use of the term war-wives. This phrase is used interchangeably with shield sisters and refers, and refers to the Nords' women warriors rather than to wedded wives. Though a war-wife might be married to a shield brother or even to a non-warrior, such relationships were mostly monogamous. Speaking from the Nord side, being the conquerors <laughs> that Nords are, I like the term war wives could also be applied as, was it, salt wives or battle captives. Whereas as a Nord, when you conquer something, it's yours and therefore you should take it as spoils of war. That includes females of conquered society, other conquered peoples. So, you know, maybe you have your your true nordic wife and then you have your spoils of war <laughs> yes well that's why i'm I glad i'm her. i'm glad i'm not a wife <laughs> <laughs> okay <clears throat> we move on ah dearest sybil of our blessed lady it's nice to converse with somebody local for a change especially one so venerated as yourself my question for you pertains less to courtship rituals and more towards the perception of the lady herself in High Rock. Recently, I took a trip to Daggerfall to visit the various alchemy and enchanting shops in that fair city and stopped by the Chapel of the Divines to listen to a sermon while I was there. I was shocked and dismayed to hear the priest tell his flock to beware the charms of Debella or some such. He had spoken so highly of the other seven divines, and I found it odd that the Lady of Love, Beauty, Art, and Music would be vilified in such a fashion. Is she not one of the Blessed Eight? Did Akatosh not choose the others to serve at his side? What should I tell people who imply that the Lady is somehow craven or unworthy of our praise? I feel particularly strongly about this, as it was the cult of Debella which brought me into the faith of the divines in the first place. I want people to understand how kind and benevolent she is. Will you help me find the words, O oh, Sybil? By her lips, you've been listening right. to the sermons of Father Pitoff of the Daggerfall Cathedral, haven't you? The pious father is devoted to theology, but as I have reason to know, he is not passionate only about our duty to worship the eight. But it doesn't do, after one night of worship to Debella, to get all proprietary about one's ardor partner. I fear I spoke more sternly than he liked, and may have sent him back to Daggerfall with a grudge against Our Lady and those who serve her. Hopefully, with time, he will find his way back to joy. I'm loving the fact that uh, they have all these strange, what are what are the, the sayings for Debella and also Morwa? So we got by her lips, which I like. And mm. if you haven't done any questing in uh, in where where was it? It's Alakir Desert. You should because they have a certain saying about Morwa as well, which is the Red Guard version. So, yeah, you should you should because <laughs> it's awesome. But I will not repeat it here because this is a family show. Continue <laughs> <laughs> by her lips. Okay. <laughs> 
faithful Sybil with the Cothringi people all but gone from this world, a great cultural gap has appeared in the depopulated mangroves of their native Argonia. As a direct link to Debella, surely you must feel the goddess's pain from the loss of some of her most devout worshippers. We know that the Lady of Love was held in high regard by the Cothringi, but historians regretfully know very little of their courtship traditions. Can you speak on their behalf, that we might honour their memory? The Cothringi, though tragically extinct, have not been gone for long, and are well remembered by their former neighbors. Many of the lustrous folk live in the vicinity of Gideon, in the region known as Merkmire. It is my understanding that, due to recent trade agreements, the road between Gideon and Leowin will soon be reopened, and traffic with the old Cothringi homelands will then resume. When that occurs, I will forward your interesting question to my sister Sybil in Gideon. Though, if your curiosity is so great, you might even choose to make the journey yourself. You know, I think they slipped in a little bit of a spoiler about Merkmire. Just saying. The road will soon be opened. Uh, no. I hope so. I'm the only one who got that, because yeah, I think I you might have been. Yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go sit in my corner again. Yeah, yeah. Go to, your, go to your corner. All right. Well, I've got a question here from Yonler the Willful, a Nord, no less. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> he says, I have a question of a rather unnatural, perhaps to some even disgusting nature. No, I'm not trying to court a Daedra. A certain young Bosma girl caught my eye a couple of weeks ago mainly because she managed to drink half the Nords in the Hawker's Tusk Tavern under the table without passing out. I was instantly smitten, but she kept ignoring my advances. Then one day as I left the inn, I saw her take someone along in an alley. She had a strange air about her, so I followed them. Moments later, I saw her bent over a hapless victim, piercing red eyes and skin white as moonlight. Ismir's beard! I'd been trying to flirt with a vampire! And yet, even though I know what she is, it doesn't change my feelings for her. Would Tabella shun me for my abnormal affection, or does she believe in love for all, regardless of form? How does someone court a vampire without getting killed? Alas, Jundler, such a path is perilous, and if you choose to follow it, you are more likely to need the advice of a priest of Arkay than of a symbol of Tabella. For undeath is corruption and one who willingly remains a vampire and feeds on others is impure of spirit. I have spoken to Father Renguz, the leading priest of Arcae here in Wayrest, and he says that the pull you feel towards this wood elf is not love, nor even joyous lust, but a darker urge that you must try to put behind you. Be not willful, but rather strong, and turn away, for you are in danger, both body and soul. I think that what Sybil is missing here is the age-old phrase, cold is gold. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to my corner. Isn't that the necrophilia's... uh, Well, undeath is just that, right? Okay, I'm going back to my corner. Please don't beat me. (laughs) What is this and can I beat you with it? (laughs) What is this and can I beat my husband with it? Continue with our final question. (laughs) Later on in the program, who wants to date Sithis? (laughs) Right. Okay. This is the last one we've got here in this bizarre agony ant corner. Um, This is a long one as well. 
so I'm going to keep it as fast as possible. My Lady Sybil, I write to you in hope of clarity on a matter of faith and perhaps guidance as I seek to find my partner in life. I am blessed with two loving parents, thank Mara. I was raised by my mother in the traditional Aunt Mary way, and on the whole, my Nordic father accepted this. Unfortunately, this concord broke down whenever the subject of Dibella was raised. As you know, Dibella is missing from the Aunt Mary pantheon, yet father would insist Dibella's patronage was required when seeking love. I'm told he was a patron of the Debellan arts, but the less spoken of this, the better. When I asked Mother about this apparent courtship requirement, she would say, Jeffrey is the god of natural beauty. He told the tale of creation that all may know their role and form. He blessed the Altma and the Somerset Isles with beauty unsurpassed. He taught the birds to sing and inspired even the stars with his songs. Dibella is a poorly understood song echo of Jeffrey misinterpreted by foolish Nords who care only for the pleasures of the body and nothing for the soul, seeking Geoffrey's blessing, and you'll find your soulmate. Meanwhile, father would say, Geoffrey, Shaw's bones, a pale imitation of the full, defigured Dibella, fit only for milk drinkers. The prudish elves are so, fun, so fond of blathering about the loftiness of their gods because their heads are in the clouds. Seek Dibella's counsel to satisfy your urges. My own suspicion is that both gods are aspects of the same deity. Whether one is an aspect of the other, or more accurate, Adric interpretation seems pure semantics. I say Auriel, you say Akatosh. Of course, I take nothing for granted, so I invoke both whenever pursuing any creative endeavour or partaking in any courtship ritual. Yet despite this careful piety, I remain single. Tell me, dear Sybil, am I going about this the right way, or am I doomed to an eternity alone because I hedge my bets? Who can understand the will of the Aedra? What do they want from us? The panic is literally spewing from me. I can't take it anymore. Must. Find. Smelling salts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My lady Areda, you are an academic, and I fear you have fallen into the scholar's trap of thinking too hard about a matter where thinking is of little value. Careful piety may have its uses, though I admit none come to mind at the moment, but it is standing between you and finding your heart's desire. Seek beauty that gives you joy, and don't concern yourself with its theological origins. That was the Loremaster Archive, Courting Practices in Tamriel, and oh my goodness was it dirty. Really it was, was. I thought I thought Nate was pretty dirty at the end where he said it was a long one he's going to be fast <laughs> <laughs> lucky yeah. I was on mute so I didn't hear me spit my coke all over my screen <laughs> I hope uh, I delivered oh wow there you go Zoss you've turned the show into a mature rated show thank you very much that's the best yeah. show ever I love it yes and it was made a comment in chat that they're starting to see a trend because whenever Nate's on the show Things like this tend to pop up. Become unintended. <laughs> hey, I, I'm a I'm a pure beauty. Honestly, I'm I'm innocent. Innocent. By the way, on a re on a related note, I reread something I wrote a few years ago for um for Wired about my the day of my wedding in Skyrim, because I thought it was the most bizarre wedding ceremony that I've ever seen or heard about that it needed writing. And um, it came up to me the other day, and I think it really should be on some sort of blog on on Zoss's website somewhere. You should, <clears throat> if they're yeah, if they're interested in stuff like this, they really should read that. 
I think you'll have to you'll have to send it to us, and I, I think I want to link it just because. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'll, I'll link I'll it find in, a link the, uh, in the show note or in the uh, episode description, just because it would kind of fit in with all of what we just read. Yes, I like it. <laughs> all right. Jeez, guys. I know, AJ. It's crazy, right? We're going to move on to some different news now that hopefully is not as dirty. Maybe oh, we... The show's yeah. downhill from here. Yeah, I know. It's... Yeah. We were going to do that first because I know Thais wanted to go put her feet up because she's pregnant. Obviously, the courting rituals of Tamriel work for her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but how does this work? You're a Nord and I'm an Argonian. Am I going to lay an egg? Possibly. Well, there there was multiple (laughs) lovers involved in the court. The uh, Q&A wasn't there. (laughs) (sighs) It's that that, um, the 500 that got me a little bit concerned. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my. Are you are you going to lay down now? Well, considering my fear. Yes, I see this. <laughs> Alright, so I, I, will, I will be back. I will call you when it's book time. Alright, awesome. Okay. Go lay down. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> okay, now the dirtiness is over. Time to move on. They released a new video this week uh, in preparation for console release. Uh, it was a three-part series, obviously. And this was the final one, which is Exploring Tamriel, where they talk about exploring Tamriel in the Elder Scrolls Online. Who all saw this? I did. Excellent. Yeah, I checked it out. Yes. Awesome. Steldan, did you see it yet? No. Okay. <laughs> I've explored um, it. You've already explored Tamriel. I don't need a video. I have already done it. Um, what what did you guys think of it? Nate, why don't, why don't we let you go first? Um, sure. Um, <clears throat> I like it uh, as a video. It's, it's pretty good. It's very visual. But what struck me, there was two things that stood out for me. One is that it's almost exclusively shot from angles you can't actually view the game from in the game. It's, it's a very cinematically presented video lots of top-down shots and aerial views and um all that kind of thing so it's it's obviously meant to be more of a beautiful presentation than any kind of demo and the second thing is that you very very briefly see a shot from orsinium which makes me think we're days away from getting to play orsinium days away avi what are your thoughts well i hope we're not days away but uh I think this video was pretty awesome, you know, I like how it gives a lot of attention for the console players, they're going to see it, they're going to fall in love with it. I like how they talk a little more about the crafting, the enchanting, and the provisioning, and all the different kind of things you can do in the world. Not like the first two videos where they're just sort of like, you can play with your friends, and you can explore dungeons and kill monsters. It's like, yeah, well, every single game you can pretty much do that. So I like how they took it a little different this time. talked more about Tamriel as a whole. Excellent. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I actually agree with both of you on this. Um, but with as what Nate said, with these videos, obviously, they're going for that cinematic approach. I mean, how many times... I've played many MMOs over the years. I don't know about you guys, but every time I see a video for an MMO, it is normally does not depict gameplay at all. It doesn't. It Definitely. Is. I... I I still remember the day I saw the very first trailer for Final Fantasy XI. Mm. I was like, 
I am so that is so happening. That is happening before anything. And I remember when it started and the FMV, you know, the big that big pre-rendered FMV oh, yeah. with all the chocobos yep. in it came on. I was like, oh yeah, here we go, here we go, Final Fantasy time. And then the game starts. And I was like, unsee, unsee what happened to the world and why has it happened to me? Oh, that rhymed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's quite often a disappointment when you 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 see it. But it's not the case with 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 um, uh, ESO. ESO. It's um, it's still pretty visually stunning. It's definitely the most beautiful MMO you can play at the moment. I do agree. Visuals are amazing. Um, I actually haven't found one that I like more yet. Um, so definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, Except for the hip flaps and sandals. The hip flaps. Sandals and hip flaps. <laughs> You know, I don't even mind the hip flaps as much as I mind the floating knee armor and elbow armor on certain pieces. Oh, um, and never wear Stygian chest, by the way, if ever you find one. That is the most god-awful graphic I've seen in my life. It, is it uh, uh, Supplegaria? Because I used to run around, speaking of Final Fantasy, um, that's pretty much all I ever found when I wore armor. It was the gladiator leather straps. That was it. Yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah. it's like I'm wearing a little bandoiler <laughs> going across both shoulders there. Two bandoilers looking really cool. Nice. I like it. Maybe I will have to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, the world is amazing in ESO. It's it, When I play some of the other games, uh, character models obviously are... The character models are amazing. Armor... Mm, not so much. I understand the reason why they did it too. They did it so that it would have better performance in Cyrodiil. That worked well. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say it. I think I'd at this point rather have see better armor and capes and stuff like that and just, you know, be like, you know what? I don't know. It'd be kind of neat if there was an option like what they used to do with um, Dark Age of Camelot where they when they came out with the new models, you actually had an option to switch your client back to the old one if you desired. Would that be something you guys would be interested in if they redid the armor so that it was a little bit more, I guess, 3D looking, but you had to choose it? Would you turn it on? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm guessing that's kind of where they're going with the new armors. They're trying to improve them a lot, as you can tell from the pictures of the new PvP gear. So right. that definitely looked more impressive. More I like mean, armor. I'd be fine with it. The idea of going, do I want it to look pretty? Like when I'm standing in town, switch it to pretty. Oh, look, my armor actually sticks out. Kind of looks like a, a one game. I think that does probably some of the best armor. Uh, Final Fantasy 14. Like I was running around in my Dragoon when I played months ago. And um, like each scale, you could see all the scales. You could see the different parts. And it looked really, really good. Uh, now they didn't have any form of massive, you know, whenever a bunch of people got together for like a world boss, it lagged to high heaven. But I would like there to be an option of, you know, like what most people do, which is turn their graphics down when you enter Cyrodiil in order to, you know, help performance. I would be fine with that. Do a low, you know, have a little checkbox that says include, you know, better character armor and it does it or uncheck it and you go back to the standard kind of flat looking for better performance if you need it. Or even by default have that happen as soon as you go into Cyrodiil, just mm, have that yeah. option automatically wiped out. Right. So that you don't have to bother doing it yourself. <laughs> Nate, how about you? What do you think about that? 
Um, sorry, I missed the last part of that conversation trying to get into the chat room because it's not loading for me. Oh, oh some other people were having that issue today. Um, mm. we, were, we were talking about the different armor because we talked about the the exploring Camriel video, how gorgeous the game looks, like the game engine and, and the, the world, but character models are not as, as nice. And um, would you like an option where they fix the armor that made it more 3D looking, kind of like Final Fantasy fourteen or... Witcher 3, since that's on my mind, and have a checkbox that would allow you to select it, or you could turn it off to have better performance. I, yeah, well, if as long as it's an option, I generally think that if it's possible to do it, then do it, and let me choose which I prefer. Um, I definitely think it's something that people use. I mean, as a slightly random old reference, I remember in the old uh, shooter, um, Team Fortress Classic, you could switch between the old style um, sort of costumes and things and the new style, and it didn't affect the gameplay in any way. And I remember back then thinking, that's a brilliant answer to this question that people were arguing a lot about. So I think it can work um, as long as it's an option. Yeah. Dark Age of Camelot did that too, because after their third expansion, they redid all the, all the character models and everything of that nature. Um, but there was an option that allowed you to do the classic models, which were a little bit more linear and they loaded better, are the newer models. And of course, this was all done client side. So what did it matter? You know, it's like, do you want the better graphics option? Sure. You may actually have some issues with rendering when you're in 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 RVR uh, or you could turn on classic models. I knew that was a thing that whenever people did RVR, they switched to classic models. So that way, you know, they could have better performance, but then they switch back to the new models when they were just out messing around or want to take screenshots, so it looked pretty. Yeah, I remember EverQuest 1 did that as well. I think when Luckland came out, they upgraded all the models, and mm-hmm. you could uh, change them from the ugly model to the improved one. Yep. The, the technology's yeah. been there in other games, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, one other question. Do you think Zoss would actually take the time to add this, like rework all their character models, or do you think that's just something they wouldn't do? I don't think they'd bother doing it until the graphics started looking dated, okay. to be honest. Hmm. That's when the other games usually did it. EverQuest 1 did it because it looked god-awful by the time Luckling came out. It's uh, been a few years. Think, oh my god, who plays with this? So they, they had no choice, really. <laughs> Understand, yeah. Um, yeah, Dark Age Camelot did about the same. I think it came out... They did the new models roughly around the time I think World of Warcraft came out, so they had compet- or competition... So they tried to up the graphics to make it look a little better than what it was. I mean, they did a good job, but by that point in time, yeah, it was too late. All right. Oh, there we go. Nate's in chat. Nate. Hey, Nate. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to say about the Exploring Tamriel video before we move on? I'm assuming not. Dead silence. Nope. No. <laughs> um, obviously, I know for us... Um, we're PC gamers, so th- this video didn't really show us anything new. We've been playing the game for a year, you know, nothing new has come on. But, you know, it- it's nice to see a little bit of hype trailer uh, for, um, you know, because consoles are coming out. Speaking of hype, I don't have it in the notes, but I did get an email from none other than Nate. Nate, you sent me I, an email. I did. Yes, I just thought you needed awesome. more of me in your life, apparently. <laughs> Oh, I have no problem with that. Nate everywhere. It's great. Um, Nate sent me a photo of not not something that DeBella would approve of. No, it was actually an advertisement for uh, 
Elder Scrolls Online Tamriel Unlimited. And where where was that again? It was underground in one of the Dwemer ruins known as the London Underground Tube Network. Um, <laughs> it was a big fat poster on one of the walls. And I didn't personally see it. My, I was waiting for my girlfriend to show up um, for dinner. And she, uh, she sent me a, a, a message on my phone. I was just like, saw this, thought of you, got excited or something like that. And it was just this big picture of the Elder Scrolls Online advertisement. It's like, never been so happy to be advertised to. <laughs> It is always really cool whenever you see a um, a game that you enjoy advertised in a public venue, especially when it's not a when it's an MMO. Let, let's let's face it, because I mean, it's not if it's not Call of Duty, it's not going to get you know general um, advertisement space. You're not going to see anything other than like Call of Duty games. So when you see a game that you're interested in advertised in the real life, it, it is really cool. It was even on TV, I think, wasn't it? ITV2, I think, showed an advert for ESO. Wow, ITV2. For those who don't know, ITV2 is terrible. It's it's just <laughs> an awful... It, it's the gutter of the human <laughs> entertainment industry. So yeah, the I fact admit... that they're advertising ESO on there is not particularly attractive to me because that's basically what people watch when they have nothing better to do in their lives. Um, so I have a feeling that they're appealing to people who have nothing better to do in their lives, and I take issue which, with which that. Is what, which is what MMOs tend to really have to go for, to be fair. Exactly, but that's apparently who I am as well, and I just, I don't know. My ego hurt a little bit there. Okay. Obviously, this must be, since Tales of Tamriel is the most internationally, I don't know, widespread host, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Obviously, this must be a uh, channel over on the on the eu kind of side of things so i've never heard of it yeah me neither uh, no one no one uses it that's why oh well, i think no. you're on itv1 as well not that okay. you watch any normal tv anymore because no we have cable I have, but... I have netflix so if it's not on netflix i, I don't but it's the first mmo i've ever played that's actually spent money on an actual tv effort <laughs> i think yeah i remember seeing effort. one for rift back oh, in the day rift. Oh, yes, you're right. Isn't in that the one the US, they did? You're not, you're not in, um, what's it called anymore? Whatever the WoW place is, <laughs> whatever that land is. Wasn't that the TV advert? Was yep, we're bit... not in Azeroth anymore. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. they're aiming a bit big, but if they, if they succeeded, it would have been... It would have been I funny. Like, I like the comment in chat from Bigglesworth who says, <laughs> just... how can you market to that which has no life? Very good. I love the <laughs> South Park reference. Way to go. Excellent. Way to go. I saw that too, Nate. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's... Bigglesworth Sorry. Unlimited, you are you are a hero. Just saying. I, I stole your lightning. Stuff. <laughs> you really did. I'm sitting there like, as soon as he's done talking, I'm going to mention it. And Nate swooped in there and got it. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I, I snipe. By the way, can I rise a uh, just a little conspiracy theory just as we Absolutely. go out on this topic? So, you know, I said that I noticed Orsinium in that uh, console video. Yes. What do you think are the chances that Orsidium is in the console version and that the console version gets it as we get it on the uh, public test server. Oh, oh. That would be an impressive surprise. It, it mm. would be. And, uh, huh. Yeah, Here, here's my, here's, here's my so. concern. With that conspiracy theory, um, I know it's not normally likely for MMOs because of, of uh, Microsoft and 
and Sony's um, software verification thing where they have to verify your patches before they go live. But that just scares me of the days of Skyrim with the uh, Xbox exclusive stuff. If mm. if ESO starts doing that, where it's like Xbox gets it first or whatever the case may be, obviously PC's probably going to get it first because it's easier. Um, they don't have to verify with anyone, so it'll be released on PC first. Unless well, Xbox throws its money behind it and goes, you well, know what, we want theory, you to hold it. I assume Nate's talking about, as in like day one, so as the console comes out, we get it sort of patched in on yeah. the same day. Oh, it's not once. Like exclusive. It's like they've yeah. actually had it already, which yeah. you say, well, no, because they haven't tested it. Given Zuss's record, I don't think that would stop them from doing that, because let's face it, it's What's the difference, a bit right? touch and go. So <laughs> it could be there. I don't think they will. I mean, I'm sure we'd all love it if some new content came out as soon as consoles hit. And it would be a yeah. clever way of avoiding, avoiding the day one DLC, obviously, if they included it. Day one DLC. Everyone... If they include it in the actual thing. But Day one DLC is kind of a hot topic with console gamers. Um, it's not very popular, especially if... See, here's my only other concern with, with that is the um, crown cost. Because mm-hmm. obviously, would they release it as a, a base game? Because they've already talked about the base game would have everything that 2.0 had, right? Um, yeah. If they released Rothgar, would they be including that as a base game? Or would it be, like you said, day one DLC where it's with the game, but automatically Xbox and, and PS4 users will have to go, oh, you need to spend 2,500 crowns or which is what I'm guessing most DLC will cost 2,500 crowns in order to get it like right away. Day one. Oof, that's no, the only, the only reason they'd really, if they released it with console would be more like Nate sort of suggesting it's like, it literally is part of Tamriel. That's it. It's like, Hey, surprise. It's actually part of the game. And, and now we're sending it to you on day one. Or at least that's what I was thinking. It was, he was talking about. Yeah. That's, but, right. that's um, what I meant. Even if they did that, um, that sounds a bit too generous, to be honest. They'll probably want to make a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I don't know. Yeah. It was certainly sounds a lot of critics. Obviously, everyone's talking about the Imperial City being delayed, 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 delayed. And then, oh, what coincidence? It's now going to come out after they've gone by to pay and therefore it's going to be a DLC. It would be impressive if that came out as part of the console. It's like, actually, it's not a DLC at all. It's just part of what we're sending out at the same time as consoles. Surprise, everyone. That would Surprise. be awesome. It would be a nice goodwill gesture, but... Company's a company, and I doubt they would throw. You know, they're leaving money on the table if they don't do that. Well, they just spent a fortune on adverts. They can't go around. <laughs> yeah, they can't just free. Free now. They, they spent good money to put that on IPv2. <laughs> <laughs> From what you're gathering, I'm assuming probably nobody. Not. <laughs> it's probably not that good of money. It's, here's five bucks. Although, you average was, this? Yeah, sure. Was there a TV advert for the uh, PC release? I, I don't think there was. Was there? I don't think so. Yeah. I want to say that I do think there was. Oh, okay. I don't know. I do think... they advertise year-long beta tests for consoles? <laughs> oh. Ouch. Ow. Wow, that witch show sharp, it cut me. <laughs> uh, speaking of, since we were talking this, it kind of rolls into one of the other things we were, we were thinking about. E3. Some of the big news is that Bethesda has a big you know, showroom floor there. But something we learned was that Zoss is attending the show with Bethesda. Now, this is what, June 14th, I think it is, is, is E3? If I remember correctly, yeah, something along there. Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. Um, so, what do we think, if anything, Zoss would be showing at E3? Because why else would they be going to E3 
are making a big deal. Like Bethesda has a showroom floor. Obviously, Zoss is a sister company under the same Zenimax umbrella. Uh, I'm not talking about Zenimax Online Studios. I'm talking about Zenimax. I think it's entertainment or something like that, which is the umbrella company for both Bethesda and Zoss, and I think id Software, a bunch of different stuff. Um, so they have they have the show floor, and Zoss made a mention that they are going to be there. Why would you be there if you didn't have something to announce or talk about? Thoughts on if uh, what they're going to be showing? Consoles. Console. they got to be a console. part of the press story. It's, you know, if they're not there, people aren't going to be writing about them. And they really need people to be writing about them and talking about them. And I think that's probably the, the bulk of it. Mm. I'd love there to be more, though, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think there'll be more. Everyone, everyone's thinking consoles, huh? No, no, I think there'll be a lot more than that. I think it'll be a week after release of consoles. So mm -hmm. it'll be time to, A, advertise for those who haven't bought consoles, obviously. But how do you, you've already put adverts out. You've already done everything to try and get console viewers to buy it. What else can you do? Well, it's time to push what's coming out in addition to what you already get with the game. So yeah. Imperial, Imperial City, City. everything yeah. they expect mm. to get out this year or intend to get out by the end of this year, I reckon will be what will be at E3. I'm sitting with Estelle on this just because, as we talked about, why would you go to E3 and talk about consoles that were released a week before? I mean, I understand. Now, if... if, if um, if E3 came out before consoles, yes, then I'd be, hey, guys, we're doing consoles here in, in you know X amount of time. That makes sense. But E3 being arguably one of the biggest game shows out there, I mean, I know PAX is another really big one, but, I mean, seriously, E3 is where people go to unveil stuff, not to talk about things that are already out. I, I, have, to, I have to disagree um, just as from the perspective um, I've been at E3 and most of what you see on the floor is like stuff that's already out like they there are loads of things there that are, um, are like new but there's a ton of stands that just have existing titles and um, all sorts of things mm -hmm. that you can just play that are, are out and I imagine that <clears throat> um, that a week old is probably still good enough for them to show off on the floor now that, that's what i wanted to ask nate i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you Esteldian. um but since you've been there i need to ask like from what i understand yeah they have stands you know like you can get in there if you're a developer for a stand but from my understanding is the showroom floor like the main thoroughfare or whatever it is is a little bit harder to get it's not like opening up a stand someone can walk by it this is something where people give like keynote speeches would people waste that space, which I'm assuming is a good bit of money to, to, to well, secure that. The keynotes are all in a different hall. So, um, the, for example, the, um, uh, the one that I went to last for Xbox was in uh, a massive, kind of like a sports stadium type place. And it was actually in a completely different part of the city almost to, uh, to the rest of the, the rest of the show. And, um, and then Sony did theirs again somewhere different still. So they sort of set those up independently. And then you have <clears throat> a several sort of big halls. And you usually get most of the big developers in, uh, in the same sort of area in general. Sorry, excuse my voice. <clears throat> I am quite ill at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're all the big ones. <laughs> Obsession. Um, so you sort of get a lot of them all in the same in the same area, and there's big areas for sort of indies and different things like that. And most of the large developers that have one stand, they've kind of got all their banners up and and stuff to promote the big thing for them. But you can usually play like the currently on sale 
things that 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 publisher or developer is trying to show off so it's mm. it's not just it's not just now and next or rather it's not just the next it's the now and next um you just okay. tend not to see that in the coverage because obviously that's all we really care about is yeah yeah yeah. we've seen what's out already we don't care about that we want to see the next but for the sort of the, the tier of people below us that aren't obsessively reading about this stuff um you know, including like distributors and people on the business side who are going there to see whether or not they want to take on release or what have you with other IP. Um, they need to show off a little bit of variation there too. Okay. Excellent. I'm glad we had you on for that insight. That That's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. Cause uh, now uh, I believe doesn't E3, like they don't, they're not open to the general public. Like I know PAX is like anyone, if you're quick enough to get tickets can go. Um, mm. but E3, I thought you needed to have some sort of, you know, like a press pass or, you know, developer like, like they don't just let, you know, a random X person into E3 anymore. It's a, you have to be some way part of an industry in order to get in. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's Which, right. <laughs> as, as a, you know, I understand with PAX, you'd be wanting to show up like games that have already been released. Cause I mean, obviously you have the random run of the mill customer who may just walk in, who, who's not affiliated, not going to write anything. They just want to see what's out there. And if, you know, you've been released, maybe like you're a small indie, Hey, have you heard of this? Well, no, I've never heard of that. Well, why give it a shot? But, you know, with with E3 being what it is, it's like you're trying to get people. Everyone there is either a developer or some sort of a press and you want them to write about your game. So do you want to know something, though, that I found out Mm. this year? are going to allow members of the public and um, they're going to allow it. I hear by giving public passes to people who are exhibiting at the show so if you exhibit um, you'll get a number of passes to invite people based on basically on the size of your booth so if you're somebody like sony then employees of sony will get a limited number of passes to bring friends or give away or what have you so we will see the public at e3 this year i think there's going to be about five between five and six thousand i think i remember hearing oh that's awesome so there will be a chance to go this year. But I'll tell you, the the ones with the public, and I say this like a little bit arrogantly, perhaps because I've been, whenever I'm at E3, I'm there to work. When the public is there, it makes my job damn near impossible because all you get are queues of fans who are not there to sort of try and circulate the floor and, and, and speak to as many of the developers as possible for interviews. So like the Tokyo Game Show, you're just in queues a lot. Um, Gamescom, which is in Germany, again, it's open to the public. You're in queues a lot. Um, the only way you can really cover those shows is by going because you've got behind closed doors appointments with developers. Um, and that's basically where they're all flown into. So it just makes for a convenient meeting place. Um, most of the work I do at those shows, I'm not doing on the show floor. I'm going because that's just where the companies happen to be. And it makes for an easier meeting. Just a bit, bit sad, really. I still want to go. Oh yeah, they're great fun if you don't have to do any work. <laughs> if you don't have to do any work. Excellent. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hopefully Dungeon Crawl Network can get into one of these things soon. Just FYI. <laughs> I don't know. Gonna try. Alright. Next up, uh Limited Edition Warriors Lithograph has been released on the Bethesda store, or at least it's up for pre order for forty dollars. I know we've all looked at it. Um, 
and while I know I, I, I enjoy the art, Nate, I know you, you got the, uh, the book as well, the hero's guide. So you obviously enjoy the art. Um, mm. obvious, same thing with you, but $40, a little pricey. What a are little. your guys thoughts? I think it's a little too pricey. I mean, it's more expensive than the book, but, uh, I guess for some people, it's something that they'll be interested in. I think the artwork is absolutely beautiful just for the $40 price market price range. A little too much. Okay. Uh, Steldian. Uh, well, I'm not really into all these books, many because I don't have the space to keep them all. So, <laughs> sadly, I'm more of a digital man only. Well, you know, you'd have a lot of space if you just kicked your wife out of the house and just used it. Yeah, but then the house would be a mess. Oh, well, yeah. And I wouldn't be able to find anything. Then so. I wouldn't be able to find it anyway. I see. All right. Um, Nate. Uh, I love these, but that's about it. I just want a massive, massive one, so to speak. I just want one that I can put on a, a wall, basically. Um, these are not big <laughs> enough for me. Not big enough. What what we really want, what we would really love, is the artist from Zenimax to just come to each one of our respective houses and paint a mural on our walls. I would love that. I'd pay $40 for that. I'd pay $40. Yeah, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a good $40. Yeah. Um, obviously, these things are limited to 300 Maybe that's why the price tag's a little high. Um, honestly, with only being limited at 300 I would love these things to be signed by somebody. You know mm. what I mean? You're only doing 300 40 bucks. Bob the janitor. Bob the janitor. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, they're that'd nice. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd spend 40 bucks because, as Nate said, it's only 18 by 24, which isn't terribly large. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If you're interested, they ship uh, was July 5th. So you might want to get out there and add it to your cart because obviously there's only 300. So if there's 300 of you out there who want this desperately, then it's probably going to go pretty quickly. So that's that. All right. Where are we at now? Oh, another little interesting little bit that we found out on the forums this week. And that is if you're a vampire and you've been trying to get rid of uh, a nasty fire debuff with resist enchants, well, you know what? It's probably not working as intended. Uh, we got a confirmation on the official forums that and i'm going to quote this here uh hi guys we can confirm that resist enchants are lower than we'd like them to be in our next major update we'll be increasing the effect of resist enchants including the fire resistant uh glyphs mentioned in this thread so they're higher than what uh you're currently seeing though not as high as they were prior to update six so um prior to update six the resist actually were doing more than what they were stating and now they're doing significantly less and i'm assuming people are seeing this um fire enchants like i can't see a point like at least with my builds uh i'm either using weapon damage increases or or uh, feet cost reductions because obviously that's what helps my dps not much obviously if you've seen my dps but it helps um, resist are not something I generally go after, um, but I imagine if you were a vampire or something, maybe that maybe that uh, goes for you. What do you guys think? Vamps are the only guys who ever bother getting resist as far as I'm aware. Yeah. 
surely just where I come a bit of Nernhone these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where do you get Nernhone from, seriously? Oh, man. Someone has to craft it for Up you. Up a Craglon. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Or dailies. Well, the dailies oh, you can actually get it from the daily well, no, quest? You, you get the map, though. So you get the map oh, up to oh, right, right. and that's got a better chance of dropping it. I was I, When you said dailies, I was thinking just the daily quest in Craglorn, not the crafting writs. Uh, okay. No, no, if only. Yeah, so if you do the actual upper Craglorn quest line, you'll get a non-honed weapon at the end, which you then you can then be or random item at the end of the mm. quest line, which you can then research to actually start off, or at least that's how people manage to start getting research in the first place. It is and random, it though, because you actually have to go out and find people, because you only get one per character. Yeah. You get one item that's randomized at the end, and obviously there's, um, what is it, eight different items per specialization. So yeah. eight armors, eight weapons... Each one of them has a Nernhone trait, but it's one random item per character when you finish the main story in Craglorn, the non-repeatable. So you have to either trade or buy the other pieces because I'm actually almost done with Nernhone. I'm only missing like 12 items total. Uh, in all likelihood, when I finish that quest, I'll probably get a piece of armor or weapon that I already have. So Yeah, I'm missing the wow. weapons. I've got all the heavy armors done. Nice. I'm missing a few. I think I'm missing four light and four medium. And then I think one or two weapons in blacksmithing or something like that. I'm literally two months away from finishing it because it's I can max out the three research for one month. And then the next month I have two in everything. So I have five items per per um, crafting to do. So I can be less than 15 items total. Um, but yeah, this was an issue, I guess, for vampires. So, uh, console, what is the number one? Was someone quoted console launches in like two weeks? There are probably 100% dedicated insurance launch goes smoothly. It's a good for the product and somewhat ignores right now. And someone had to edit. They've ignored this issue for the last four months. Huh? Well, they haven't ignored. They're just signed by them to make a feature. <laughs> it's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like everything Templar related. Oh, exactly. it's a feature now. Well, no. maybe they think that DK DK's already too blimmin' powerful in PvP anyway, so they figured... Uh, no, no, no. DK's don't, DK's don't D get DK features. Vamps. They get fixed. Exactly. It's only Nightblades and Templars that get features. Um, what well, was actually really funny and kind of, kind of off topic, but not really. Uh, I was listening to Elder Scrolls off the record this week, and they were uh, made comment on the fact that we were making fun of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing not working. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about a quest or something. And I know Varwin mentioned that uh, I was listening to Tales. And I think they were talking about a quest. And it was actually we were talking about uh, focus charge. Oh, it's fixed. Oh, it's not. Yeah. Oh, it's fixed again. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> so that's a thing. Um, yeah, then it became a feature. I like it. All right. Resists are broken. So if you were planning on using resists, they're not working consider curing yourself of being a vampire or dying a fiery death. That's your choice. All right. Final bit of news this week. Yes. Is Battlemaster corner, the Daedric master and Esteldian said he pretty much liked this build and it's something a little different because it is a sorcerer tank with pets. Say what? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah. Well, it's a pretty well, I say simple design. Uh, the principle, obviously, is being tank while at the same time sort of being able to provide a bit of DPS. 
um, hence having two pets out. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you just keep the one, which is the Clan Fear. He's a no-brainer because he's he's your version of the DK's Dragon Blood. Because every time you unsummon him, you get thirty-five percent of your health back, which is just awesome. Wow! You cast him before you can go into battle, so he's he's, he's already in the bank. You've got thirty-five percent heal before you even get into combat, and then of course when you blow him up, you get some magicka back. So very nice use of it. I actually use the Clan Fear for that reason in my solo spec for my sorcerer. Hmm. So uh, it's that's a clever move. I say the other the twilight is I'd say that's very much optional. Um, it makes sense if you're going to be a magicka based tank though to have that one out because that's a bit It'd more DPS without using the ads too because they yeah. lost a lot. Yeah, so you sit there and have it there. It's a bit of free DPS because you don't have to do anything with them. Um, so I quite like that idea. The only thing I wouldn't do I don't. He's got inner fire and um the puncture on the same bar i personally prefer to have a taunt on each bar uh so i'd actually split that up because that would then let you get the empowered ward onto your main bar because i i am a big fan of spamming a shield throughout a combat because it it lets you get away without blocking sometimes which if your magic base can be very helpful because i use it a lot to do heavy attacks to get my, my stamina back in bigger fights mm. uh so I, i'd swap that round but i'd still keep the same skills uh, he's got liquid lightning there for a bit of damage, of course. It, it so, seems yeah, it's a little redundant to have both. Like, cause he have a, he has a sword and shield bar. Wonderful. Inner fires a range taunt though. Why not put it on your range bar and free up a slot? Exactly. It's, it's, it's a bit odd. I, I mean, if you're close a, enough to be in melee, it. use puncture. If you're out of range, switch to your resto staff and, um, the only reason I could see it is if he's anything like my build, I, except for bosses, I never use puncture. I always use my inner fire because I've got the magicka to spare because I've got the reduced costs and the high regen. So I can't really afford to use my, against against trash mobs anyway, I can't afford to use the PS armor because it just costs me too much of my stamina when I'm trying to block. Well, it doesn't so he could like have like there for that. stamina build or any other abilities on here that cost stamina. Yeah, no, but you're just, just blocking in trash uh-huh. fights will have your stamina gone in seconds if you haven't got yourself built for it. Um, so I can see why you might have it, but then all that would mean for me is I'd probably have inner fire. Well, actually, in this case, I would have inner fire on the other bar because you say he's got a resto staff, so it might be there for range. But I actually have inner fire on my primary bar these days. Um, but again, I still have it one on each bar. It just seems too many spots being hogged on the same bar otherwise. As I say, having having the shield on the other bar makes it inconvenient because you want to keep that up all the time, but obviously you're taking damage, you're going to lose it all the time. So you're not going to want to keep flipping every two seconds to put the shield back on. Hmm. So why not slap it on the main bar? But yeah, uh, resto staff in the second bar, obviously to throw some heals out. As a Templar, I never have to worry about that. I prefer having a sword and shield on both bars, but I have the luxury of getting away with that and being able to provide some healing. Um, on the other hand, I don't think it's necessary for him to have the resto. To, I guess it's to provide group support. He's already got the pet to give him healing. So he doesn't need the resto bar for emergency heals. He's just You can just spam that pet on and off. Um, so the rest of it might be to help you and unless you're trying to play a healing tank sorcerer then I'd probably rather keep to just having sword and shield on both bars I used to do obviously my hybrid build with the two handed on one bar I really don't like having a bar without a sword and shield on it um, because it's amazing how many times at the wrong moment you've got the wrong bloody bar up and like oh crap and right. you lose a little more stamina or a little more damage I know a lot of end game tanks. They don't have it's sword and board both bars. It's, that's just what you yeah. do because you need that shield. I mean, even my he, my my designed healing tank 
is sword and board and both bars. Nice. And he's he's designed to heal through the vet dungeons on his own. So I don't I don't even I still don't want to have a resto staff on. Okay. I noticed that he's using the Maul of the Infernal. That's what he wants. I mean, as for tanking, like, I understand a little bit of DPS is probably what he's going for, but I can't imagine the Bloodspawn set wouldn't be. I know he says he has to settle for it, but the Bloodspawn would be the superior tanking. Uh, Yeah, which one did he say he wanted? Uh, he, his, his set is looking for Maul of the Infernal, the one that has the chance to summon the uh, the Daedroth, to spit fire oh, at things. Oh, yeah, no. I suppose it's part of the theme, but no, I wouldn't want that. Uh, I'd much <laughs> rather have something else, yeah. Theme and function, two different things. Like yeah, that. exactly. Um, the Bloodspawn could be handy for the extra regen of stamina, obviously. Mm-hmm. I myself don't use the Bloodspawn. I've got it now. But... Oh, you finally got it? Yeah, I finally got it a while back, <laughs> but it's just been dumped in my bank because I don't use it. Um right. The stamina regen is quite nice on it, but I've gone with one of the sets that I've kept in my set, which heals and gives me 900 health as, as a set bonus because I'm I'm trying to put points as many points as I can to Magicka, so I've lost some health, so I, I need the extra health, really. And so I sacrificed the stamina regen. And it looks awful. Mm. I do not like the shoulder piece of the... Uh, so we talk about uh, people having their own theme versus function well i've gone for fashion versus function and the, uh, <laughs> the blood sponge doesn't work for you i'm afraid it looks so ugly yeah uh Fripp, you have an awesome question in chat and i'll answer that in a second um nate and avi since we already talked about this would either of you consider using this build or a variation of this build on a live character uh i'd probably take some things in and out of it but uh, truthfully and in all honesty, I haven't got to mess around with the sorcerers or tanking in this game yet. So, But you have <laughs> 9 million much. alts. How have you not done this? Uh, my <laughs> Sork is my least favorite class, and my highest Sork was only 15. And I just deleted him, him yesterday to make a new one. So now oh, it's only level okay. 3. I have a problem with deleting once I make. <laughs> <laughs> I actually yeah, and um, the others. I don't like Sork. I really don't. Couldn't get into it. I, I haven't enjoyed Sork particularly. Um, I am a Imperial DK, uh, just swords, shields, two-handers, um, basically knives. So I've not been that interested in Sorking or tanking. I've recently started healing with one of my alts, which has been a lot of fun. I actually find healing a lot more fun than I used to think I enjoyed healing. Um so that's that's quite that's quite cool. Oh, I love tanking. I, Best thing I, in any game. I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Nate. Healing in this game is more fun than in others. Um, I haven't really tried tanking yet. I still prefer my DPS Templar. Give me a big two hander. Give me my holy magic. Let me just crush well, things. The problem I have with DPS and it is quite funny. You're obviously stretching the boundaries how much DPS you can do, and that that's the thrill of obviously trying to get as high as you can, mm-hmm. but. My problem is that's it. You know, whatever you design your character, it's got to be how can I get more DPS out? That's yep. the principle. Whereas the tank you've got, it, and you can go with a very basic tank where it's like, okay, I have lots of hit points and I've got this avoidance and stuff. But at some point you get, you reach the level where it's, it, you are you are more tanky than you ever need to be. And at that point, you're not really offering anything to the team. It's like, well, that's great. You're really survival, but you're kind of excessively so. So I love testing the boundaries 
of you know okay now i'm a tank here's my dps tank how much dps can i do without putting my tanking at risk can i be the healing tank in a, in, in a dungeon so we don't have to have a healer you know can i get mm -hmm. away with that how much so i love playing around to the limits of, of what i can do with the tank which I, I don't find i get with the dps it's just about putting those the skills together to make sure i can get the most numbers hmm. i think i think I, I have a take on that as well in in that like I am primarily DPS, but because I tend to have just my main, I don't play many alts. I have a couple, um, <clears throat> but it's mostly just my my main. So I don't have all of my points in stamina, as you would imagine, if I was going it for DPS. I have most of them, but I have a balance so that I can still actually be useful when I'm doing solo stuff. I can still self-heal if I am just with a pug and someone needs a healer. I can actually play a fairly useful healer as well. Um, the only thing I can't effectively do is 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 tanking, but um, I can still go a fair way if I end up like needing to tank a little bit, but I would never volunteer myself as such. So for me, the stretch is how much can I still be incredibly useful as a primary DPS while still maintaining usefulness in solo uh, for healing? Um, which it's been a fun little, little balance. Hmm. I had a lot of fun. One of my favorite builds that I was playing with was actually, it, it, it kind of sucked for ranged, uh, but it was the sword and board and two handed Templar with the blazing shield as being the primary. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> um, should probably try to get back into that a little bit. Cause that was, that was a lot of fun to do. And I liked wearing heavy armor, so <laughs> uh, maybe I might, maybe I might play with that a little bit. Oh, that's fair enough. My PvP build's got no range, really. <sighs> but, uh, I mean, fun. if I if I went with that route, I don't know. Anyway, it sucks. All right, we're gonna go ahead and move into our discussion topics for this week. We actually had two questions, but I'm actually gonna ask a third one too because it was brought up in chat, and it's actually a really good question. So we'll bring that into here. Um, for our discussion topics this week, it's going to be a lot of hypothetical questions about the game. Uh, first one is actually brought by, uh, Fripp in chat. Frippy, Frippy, Fripp, Fripp. I don't know. It's one of, one of your, one of your it's crew. Fripp. Fripp. Yeah. Fripp. Um, don't know if you brought it up yet or not since I just joined in. Anyway, there has been a rumor that Zoss will not nerf nern honed items they are going to buff it instead and lower the drop rate is this just a rumor or do you think it's true any thoughts on it uh of course personally i think it's just a way for the price of nern to increase before the patch we'll go around and ask each person's opinion um let us start with i'll i'll go first because i never go first <laughs> um I actually haven't heard the thing this one way or the other. Zoss has already nerfed the drop rate already of Nernhoned um, in various different ways, such as uh, like from uh, from bags and whatnot. So I don't know if they would nerf it any further. Uh, I do believe they said it was broken, so they may fix it. Whatever that where it was uh, ignoring a hundred percent of spell resist or whatever. That's why it was so powerful. Um, if it, if people are saying this, it could just be a way of people who maybe in some of the big trade guilds are just trying to manipulate the price to get a little bit more money out of it before the you know patch comes out. I see this in other games too, where when a patch is coming out and people don't know, people can spread rumors pretty quickly if they, you know, going, Hey, 
so-and-so item is getting buffed in the next patch. Buy it now. And it doesn't. But it's a way of, if people aren't paying attention to the notes or on the test servers or anything of that nature, it's a way of, uh, of you know, trying to line your pocket a little bit. And since there's no PTS build up, I'm kind of curious where the rumor's coming from. Because I've not heard it from Zoss. I could be wrong. I haven't seen it anywhere. Um, but it, in all likelihood, I, I personally think it's just a rumor and people trying to line their pockets. Uh, Steldian. Uh, yeah, that's uh, news to me. The last I'd heard any official word on it was that they said they were looking to adjust and or, or fix it. And it was relating to the fact that obviously it works on all your, t- your total defense rather than the per item it's on. Um, that was certainly a surprise to me because obviously they originally buffed Nernhone because everyone was saying, well, it's, it's crap. Why would you do that rather than use the, the armor one, which gives you 15% of armor and spell resist? And then they said, okay, there's a patch that came out and it, it specifically said Nernhone is now 50% more effective than the, the armored version. Um, so that makes sense. Okay, it's going to be a higher percentage value. Except the armored version only works to enhance 15% of the item you're wearing. So if you've got 2,000 armor on a chest and you put the armor thing on, you get 15% more. Same in principle should be for the Nernhone, which is now 22%. Except I have 20,000 armor or spell resist, and therefore I get 22% increase on that. So it's it's it's, it's in error or whatever. It, it's going on every time you put a piece on, you get huge amounts because it adds it all up together. So obviously, as a heavy heavy armored guy. I've got 25,000 spell resist because I have one piece of Nernhound on. If I were to put another one on, I'd gain another 5,000, and it just gets huge quickly. So that was that was the issue people flagged up. And when there was an actual official response from Zos, they talked about the next major update would change Nernhound. And the impre- I don't think he gave it a black and white statement of what was happening, but the implication was that would be per item similar to how the armor one works. Right. So I don't think there's going to be any drop rate nerfs. Avi. Avi, you there? Sorry, guys. I was <laughs> muted. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen to me one day, sooner or later, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, short answer, really. I never heard of this before, actually. But I hope they don't nerf it. I like Nernhone exactly how I like it how it is right now. <laughs> so does everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And Nate. Um, I have never even owned a piece of Nernhound items, uh, <clears throat> so anyone with anything Nernhound is of high envy to me. <laughs> if you're on the US Mega server, I can make you a bunch because I have them server. But you're not. So, yeah. If only. If only. If only. If only. I honestly wish they would just do a worldwide server. Forget the two. I mean, it'd be kind of bad for lag. Do you mean something. the PTS? Well, yeah, but the reason why I say that is because what happens is, see, latency is always an issue. Um, but what you know, what happens when you're you're fighting in Cyrodiil, People are fighting, et cetera, et cetera. And then you wake up in the morning and you lost it because one guild went through at three a.m. and took everything. Well, having the EU side being active when the U.S. side is asleep and vice versa would solve the dead hour keep whatever you know stealing. Mm-hmm. But, of course, no matter where they put the server at that point, someone's going to suffer latency. Because, you know, obviously wherever you put it, 
You know what, though? The latency really wasn't that bad when the EU server was located in the States. Like I played that for the first however long it was there, like six months, wasn't it? Before they it moved was a it while, over. yeah. And honestly, I have personally, and I don't know if I'm just special, my internet connection is special or something, but I did not really notice a problem with any latency. You're not alone. I was about, I was about 120, 150, so I guess it's a bit slow, but then I get that quite often now. I can yeah, I get. I, but I'm in the hundreds as well. Like now, I'm 142. Yeah, I hover sometimes around 90, 100 sometimes, and it's. That's I don't have a major terrible. Problem. No, I no, wish it's, I it's had not. That. I think maybe if you were pure PvP all the time, I don't know. I could guess you might get as frustrated with it more often. A lot of the time, particularly at that period, I was just pure solo, so the latency just wasn't an it's issue. Still only one tenth of a second. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess pvp if you're if you're a good pvp it might make a difference for me it's not going to make any difference <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't lose because i had a ping rate of 150 compared to their their 30 i lost because i was crap well i i listened to another podcast <laughs> it, it's called uh text message it's a fantastic podcast everyone should listen to it hint, hint. Hmm. nate i think you've heard of this right yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I remember them talk about, and it's it's interesting. The host it's, is an arrogant. Mo- <laughs> in case anyone's wondering, that's Nate's podcast. Um, it, it, I liked one of the things you talked about was you talked about average um, internet speeds and how across the European countries, you guys generally have a higher average than people in the states. Like r- right now, where I'm at, I'm running on terrible DSL connect connection this is all i can get in my area um and you guys are talking about 90 to uh, 110 pin that's me on an insanely good day if i'm standing in the middle of nowhere no one around me i'm often playing at 200 250 and that's my average um that's yeah that's quite bad um but i think there's a difference between speed and latency so i think that um, you know, you might not have a very fast connection, but it may be that you have a higher latency than somebody who's got a very fast connection. Sure. Um, so I think that that has to be factored in. I mean, the pure speed that some of the people across Europe and Scandinavia get, like they're not necessarily good connections, mm. but they are fast connections. Well, yeah, that, that's the that's the difference between. Um, someone was asking me about satellite internet and like, well, they're talking about having these speeds and I kept having to tell them oh, like, yeah. depending on what you're doing, it's because they're sending out so much data, but it bottlenecks cause you have such a huge drop off of, of data. Like you have packet loss out, out the bum. But when you yeah. send 30 billion packets out there in a hundred, you know, 10,000 hit, it doesn't matter. It gets there in, in faster time, but you're losing so much that that would affect your latency if you were doing any kind of online gaming or anything of that nature. Um, but in, yeah. in some areas of the states, that's a problem because yeah, you you don't want to be gaming using satellite. No, that's 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 very true. I mean, that's that's desperation. I'll be honest. I've I have game. I have played ESO from cafes over 4G and had zero problem with latency. Like I can get like a 60 or 70 ping over 4g very rarely but it has happened um and that's that's quite handy that is i like it (laughs) i wish i had that but i I just think even even as as you said with the type of connect well it's obviously based on on uh all the countries over in europe the backbone environment you have a smaller landmass to cover they have a better backbone 
uh, for their network infrastructure, you can I think offer we call them spines. 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 <laughs> spines. Oh, they yeah, wreck the spine of better internet. Um, that because of that structure, they offer a higher standard than especially what in the U.S. you have very high concentration through the East Coast and West Coast, but all through the center of the states, you're running on antiquated, uh, you know, equipment. You know, you're running off, you know, single single pair copper wiring, et cetera, et cetera, for the majority of the area. Um, and that really hurt. That's why we have such a wide range of speeds in the U.S. compared to other countries, hence why you probably didn't experience as much latency when it was over in the U S as I, you know, you guys were having the same or better latency and speed than I was. And I'm in the U S but it's just based on, you know, the type of internet that I have. Yeah. That was a tangent, but you know, I, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Second question, guys, we all know with consoles coming out in 10 days or something along those lines, there's been a content gap, and this content gap has been going on for like what six months since the last um, drop of of actual content. It's been a while, and I know speaking to a lot of friends and stuff, especially with the buy to play conversion, people have been coming back and and dipping dipping their toes in and leaving, and you know, kind of playing around, just playing it when they feel like it, and and this type of model supports that. But what are you guys? Since I know all of us are still playing actively. Every day in most cases, what is keeping you guys playing in this content gap? Um, I'm not going to go first. We're going to make Avi go first. Uh, well, for me, it's my alts. And, uh, you know, I pretty much live and breathe off of playing my alts in this game. And then on all honesty, it's not much of a gap for me since I haven't done Dragon Star Arena. I've barely been to Crag Lorna and I can't even get into PvP. So, uh I still have a lot more to look forward to in this game. But yeah, mostly just working on alts. Okay. Um, Steldian. Uh, well, in all honesty, I'm not as active as I used to be at the moment. Uh, what keeps me going, I still do a bit of vet DSA here and there. Um, mostly I just sort of pop on, mess around a bit in Cyrodiil because that's the content that keeps on giving, even though they actually get no real content. It doesn't matter there's players to kill or players to kill me. So that and obviously raiding with the guild and this podcast are the main things that keep me going at the moment. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm even thinking about stopping my sub for a little while because I've got crowns saved up because I don't really buy anything on the store. Until content comes out, I don't really need to have a subscription. And when it does come out, I've got 5,500 crowns. So I can probably buy the DLC anyway. Uh, so I might even temporarily stop that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I say, mainly the fact that PvP and just messing around with people I know. So, you know, friends that I've made in the game. So it's just a bit of a laugh doing stuff with them. Mm. That's definitely a thing with MMOs, right? Players keep you coming back. Oh, big time. All right. And uh, Nate? Well, I've been getting into PvP, um, but like Avi, I have still got a fair bit left to do. Craglawn, um, a lot of PvP. I'm still not bored of it. I still really like it. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'm still enjoying it, and I don't seem to be insulted in groups, so that's a, I must be doing something at least partially right. Um, <clears throat> and because I'm, I'm, I'm like you, Agelis, I'm like a completionist. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what's in this game I've only done once. So I'm, I've got a very 
well-educated character who's good at lots of stuff. But my alts, I only have one that's over 40, um, level 40. So I've got a lot of stuff that I'm enjoying doing for the second time, revisiting places that I did the first time around. Some of this stuff now, if I went back and went through, let's say, Stonefalls, um, like I may have only done some of the stuff around Stonefalls once. Mm-hmm. because just the, the ordering, the fact that I started with uh, an EP character, played that through complete, you know, going through gold. Then I started an AD character and have just got into Stonefalls. And then I have a DC that I've just rolled. Um, <clears throat> so there's some stuff I just have only done once. Sure. Um, so I'm enjoying doing that again. But, um, but I also intersperse some of my time in Tamriel uh, with some other eras so i'm mm. earlier today was uh just working the hand of sithis in the third era i i i saw you on uh on steam you were uh oblivion correct i i saw that i i, I keep track <laughs> yeah so uh playing a bit of oblivion as well recently too just to just so it doesn't feel too monotonous because yeah. definitely i think when you get to the end of gold and you're dipping in and out of pvp but you're really doing a lot of quests ESO does get to the point where you feel a little bit like you're just repeating yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine if you're enjoying the stories, but some of the quests now that I'm cleaning up in gold are just like the really small fetch quest type things. And there's only so many of those you can do at once without thinking, oh, this is a bit, you know, a little bit of a grindy feel. So uh, definitely looking forward to getting into Craglawn. But my, my, my main isn't even Vet 14 yet. Mm. So... I haven't even started with the Craggle and stuff. So that's definitely next for me. Probably over the next few weeks, I'll begin that. Nice. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me, and Nate really kind of covered this, what, I'm VR 14, but I haven't even finished gold content yet. Because, of course, I play my main with uh, Thais and, and with her being pregnant and whatnot. We haven't got a lot of game time because she doesn't feel good all the time. It's when she feels good, we get a couple quests in and, and then that's it. Uh, so I've been playing alts, and I'm not an alt person. I'm really not. If I could do everything on my main, I I will. Uh, but I've made alts for the for the thing where I could play when she's not there, because obviously, you know, I'm not going to continue my storyline without her. We do everything together, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I have been playing some alts, but see, alts don't really do it for me. Um, but one of the things Nate said is bring in things in from different eras. I haven't played a single player Elder Scrolls game in a while. Uh, but one of the things that keeps it like I played through almost all my characters are Ebonheart packed. Oh, I, I have one Daggerfall and one um, Aldmari Dominion character. All the rest, and I have every slot full, are Ebonheart packed. So I played through the Ebonheart pack zones a bunch of times. But the thing that really makes me not get bored of it is as I'm going through Stonefalls and Deshaun is thinking about playing Morrowind and I love the lore of the game so Mm. even while playing it I'm thinking through my head the history of the world that even hasn't even happened yet etc etc which really brings the world alive you know alive to me and that's what keeps me kind of even playing alts through zones that I've already done before it's the nostalgia if you will of going through zones that I went through in later eras in, in, in you know, Skyrim, Morrowind, Oblivion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's really what kind of keeps me going. But as, as I said, uh, 
Um, I haven't been playing as much either. I've been playing my alts fairly often. I, I still log on every day, but it's not the four, five, six hour sprints it was. It's two hours here, an hour here kind of deal. Doing a few quests on alts, etc. And then logging off and, I don't know, watching Netflix or something. Um, I still have a lot of content I want to do. And thankfully, I, I'm not... I can't say I've done everything. Um, and I probably would play a little bit more if I had more friends who, who played the game. Like, I do have wonderful crew and everything that that play the game and, and whatnot. But we're all kind of varying levels. A lot of people in, in uh, the Wings of Fate Guild are varying levels. Um, and I'm part of two wonderful guilds who ever so kindly bring me and my terrible DPS to Trials. Um, I don't know how they suffer through it because it drives me insane because I, I was a competitive raider in, in Warcraft. Um, I'm, I'm talking US 25 during its height, so that's kind of like wow. the upper echelon of raiders, if you will. Uh, I think we were 21 in the world or something like that. I can't remember. It, it was pretty high up there. So I, I know the idea of maxing out, it, you know, whether or not you sat could be a difference between half a percent of DPS or something like that. So, I mean, I, I was sat many, many a time because it's like, sorry, in the latest polls or according to uh, World of Logs, you were 0.6% lower than this person. So you're sitting this week. Oh, <laughs> Um, th those kind of things. I'm up to that. Um, so it is killing me that my DPS on my Templar is not where it should be, and it, it drives me nuts. So I'm still trying to figure that out, but I still get brought through. Have I beaten everything? No. Haven't even set foot in Sanctum of Fidia. Um, cleared all theory and archive. Almost killed Hel Rob, but I didn't know we were doing it on hard mode, and that's something I'll talk about later because uh, I sort of messed up. Um, AJ, uh, we just been talking about uh, in chat. AJ asked what what has happened missed the last ten minutes. We're on our discussion topic where we're talking about um, what is keeping us playing during the content gap because there has been a huge content gap. Um, and I think the worst part about this content gap is we know things are coming, but we don't even have the vaguest idea of when. You know, they're like after console when console settles down. Well, is that a month after console? Is that six months like that? I think that's the worst part for a lot of us. If they told us Imperial City is coming three months after console, unless there's a problem, I would. I don't know why they don't do that. I know they're like when it settles down. Why couldn't they say something like it's coming out? This this is our plan unless there's a problem. Just if, if they do that caveat of unless there's a problem. That would be enough, at least for me, speaking from a um, technical background. I understand if something bad happens, they have to fix it. That's going to push all your deadlines back. It just does. Um, but I, I think that's for a lot of players. It's when is our new content coming? Give us an idea. And, you know, if they told us it's in three months, what would I be doing for this three months? It would be gathering materials to prepare me for the next content. If they're like Imperial City, well, then I'm going to be out there farming and trying to get a lot of tempering alloys and stuff. So when new gear comes out, I can be ready to upgrade it, you know? Um, 
and AJ says, I feel like there would still be a huge backlash in, in the community. You know what? Internet sucks. <laughs> People always do that. If if something doesn't happen, then they're going to, you know, oh, you said three months. I know. Uh, and I understand why people don't do that because the community is the way it is. But for those of us loyal players who are still here, it, it's just this huge content gap kind of hurts. It Finding things to do in an MMO is never a good thing. That It's not. If you have to find, like, really, really search for things to do, there's generally not enough content for you for your type of player content or for your type of player um and that that's how i feel and that's the past decade of mmos has showed us that's what happens with players if if people have to look too hard for content to do they'll move on because as much as people like the idea of a hundred percent sandbox 95 percent of players need their handheld a little bit going hey we have this to do i don't know that's that's how i feel about it all right. I think, uh, oh, we have one more question. All right. I wrote this down. What features do you think ESO needs to add to hold your attention? <sighs> Nate, why don't you go first this time? I have a, a blog that I'm going to be posting over the next few days about things I want in ESO. And I, I don't want to, I don't, don't think, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. Let me just say one thing. So one thing that I would love them to add that would keep me busy for a long time is housing and building housing and crafting housing. And it's the kind of thing where I feel there will be unlimited potential beyond what is currently available because of the amount people would micromanage their housing. I think when you look at the fact that they released an add on, you know, DLC for Skyrim, basically to create housing. That is in itself an indicator that people quite broadly love housing and messing with housing in the game. So that would be one thing I would love. I'm not expecting it at all. It's just it's not going to happen. But that would be one thing. The other thing would be um, a new PVP style. Um, you know, I we've talked before, I think, about the kind of 4v4 um, sort of, you know, horde mode type gameplay 50 waves of enemies in some sort of an arena for guildies versus for ai that kind of thing like that would be amazing i think that would encourage a lot of people to play with friends who don't like pvp because this would be you know still pve stuff but more accessible than trials or end game it'd be something that you could do regardless of your level um mm. <clears throat> and could scale based on an average of your four levels i think that would be great and not theoretically that time consuming or difficult for them to to be working on but um aside from just new massive quests and areas and things that obviously take a long time to make i think those things would be a lot of fun uh i'm gonna go next because i feel like splitting it up um as as what nate said the thing with big areas and quests it's a large amount of time and effort for what what most people would get through in a matter of days hours depending on the amount of content. New zones are wonderful, but the amount of work versus the amount of time people actually spend in those zones is generally not proportionate. 
Um, the majority of people, mind you, unless there's something like a raid in that zone or something along those lines. You know, you, you release a leveling zone like Rothgar. I'm going to play through it and I may wander around it afterwards. But the amount of hours I'm going to spend in that zone are not near compared to what people spend, you know, um, making it. And I agree. Ark says this as well. Housing. But housing with a little bit like I loved Hearthfire, like you said, for Skyrim. I spent so much time in that. Everything was pre-designed, though. I would love it if they gave us a type of almost like what Wildstar did with their housing, where you can kind of go into an edit mode, if you will, where you get like a, a stripped down version of the developer tools and you can literally move things in your house. Once you saved your template, you can't move it unless you go back into edit mode. But you know how much time I would spend moving my chairs around going, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this, move my chairs and put them in a certain layer. And then later I'm like, you know what? I feel like moving my table to the other side of the room or even if I have to go into admin mode and change it, be able to pick stuff up and put it like a developer would when designing a map would put so much time into the game for people they walk in you you buy a house it's instance because obviously that's the only way they're going to be able to do this you buy an instance house you walk in the front door everyone else can walk in the front door as well and who cares then they get their own instance of the house you can invite friends over etc um but being able to individually move things and put them how you want to make it your own would be great alongside of that final fantasy 14 had one of the best and worst crafting systems worst in that crafting was very it, it was not hard to pick up you know like they had recipes you didn't learn anything it's literally collect the stuff you had the recipes you didn't even have to learn the recipes but given that aside there was a level of crafting you needed to get in order to make certain things could you imagine the type of market would be available, which in Final Fantasy, it's insanely a market that when you kill a raid boss, you got something dropped, like a chance that, I don't know, you dropped the beard or uh, whatever, of whatever it is you killed and you can make a trophy out of it. Could you imagine that? And you require people to learn how to do it, like how uh, how the game currently has with the time gap. Could you imagine a crafting type system with that where people had to learn to make chairs? People had to learn to make this or how... You know, just like it's a time gap, do that with crafting. That way you have to seek out the people like, hey, I want a throne made. Well, that's not like a normal chair. Normal chair takes, you know, anyone can learn how to make a chair, but to make a, you know, it, it should be just like the level system of learning the different traits. Each one goes above. Can you make a simple chair? Well, yeah, it takes you six hours to learn how to make a simple chair. You just need some logs and, and some nails that you could, you know, they're basic crafting materials, right? Make a chair. The next tier is, you know, padded chair. But, you know, by the time people learn how to make a throne, that was something they had to learn, you know, six months in the making to do. And you could search out those players. You have to bring them the materials that could possibly be rare crafting materials to make furniture for your house. Who would actually seek out crafters to make like a plush throne for their house? I would. And Hell I would yeah. spend hundreds of thousands of gold to do it. Especially if the materials were rare, you know, the guy's like, hey, I charge 200,000 just to make the chair. Well, you're the only person on the server who can do it. Absolutely. You know, oh, but it's also going to cost you 250 for the rare, I don't know, green dye that is extracted from a basilisk vein, which drops out of Sanctum Aphidia hard mode. Oh, well, 
that guy got it. He's selling it. All right. There's a lot of stuff they could do. And if they would tie crafting furniture into the crafting system and make it that dedicated crafters could learn how to make the more elegant things, that would be a way of making money because I would spend sheer loads of money trying to buy the materials to make elegant furniture. You know, a simple bed is cheap. If I want a bed in my house, I can put one there. But if I want one of those that looks like, you know, the Scald King would sleep in it, I'm going to have to farm lots of materials, find the right crafter. That's what I want to see. And and what little amount of development work that, that's actually required to do that would create huge amount of hours for players. You guys agree with that? Yep. 100%. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Cra- crafting was brutal in Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> oh, but, oh yeah, it, it, no, I agree. Idea. It was terrible in, in 14. But the idea of the, the actual crafting in 14 was terrible except when it came to the housing furniture. When housing oh, came in, that was, was something that was dude. like, oh, you're a five-star crafter? You're the only person who can make this jacuzzi tub. Well, if you want one, you have to find the person who can make it. And it often cost large amounts of gill. And, I mean, if, if you did something similar to that, I like the idea of how crafting in this game for, like, the item sets. To find someone who can do twice-born star, you had to be a dedicated crafter. I would love to see someone who can make a plush feather bed you know be a dedicated crafter it would just be it would be something that'd be in you know do you, you want to cheap out and just get a, a like a cake or you know a, a, a cheap cot with hay on it oh well, yeah you could do that and it'd be cheap do you want something more expensive you're gonna have to find the crafter and, and get the materials and people will pay money and that would be a huge gold sink because people would pay it I would I would in yeah. a heartbeat it makes sense. You housing people would love that stuff. And <laughs> I think they've kind of wasted the opportunity in a few places. Like this is one of the few games I've played where you can't craft bags. That was always a moneymaker. The bigger the bag, someone could be, that's how you increase your bag space by going to crafters and they'd be selling different sized bags for you to have for your bank and stuff. And it's like, oh, he's got a 24 slot bag or whatever. And you can buy five of them. It costs a fortune. The problem this game's got is that everything you make is sort of combat related, which brings the whole endless. Is crafting worthless if end game gear is good? Is end game pointless if you can't get end game gear, which is better than crafting? Yeah. If you have other things you can do as a crafter, it makes a whole, it gives a whole new level of flexibility that they can give some freedom to play with the loot a bit more. And furniture is something people will buy yep. because it's cosmetic and they want their house to look pretty. Absolutely. You can put whatever your price tag is on it because if people want it enough, uh, Thais plays Final Fantasy XIV. She spent like two million gil, which was more money than she had. Like, she had to ha- find friends to borrow it to make a, a type of bed she wants. She could have got a cheap bed that was, like, nothing, which would have been equivalent to, like, 2,000 gold in our game. But instead, she spent, like, 300,000 gold in, in ESO to get the, the plush feather bed because she had to find a crafter to do it. And people will pay that money for something non-combat related. Absolutely would pay it in a heartbeat. All right. That's 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 my thought. And that would keep, you know, oh, my goodness, the amount of hours and raids I would miss by just sitting in my house, rearranging my furniture would be insane. It would. All right. Avi. All right. Um, 
make sure I'm not muted. Okay. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, I'm not sure how popular mine's going to be, but it's something I would like to see. I want to see more ways to gain XP in the game. Um, you know, like something that just happened to me recently. I just finished gold content on my main character, and now I don't really have much for me to do by myself to gain XP. Most things I have to do are with the groups. And I know it's an MMO, so of course that makes sense. But I wouldn't mind more, uh, just more ways for them to be able to do it so I can keep on soloing and gain XP. I don't know if that would be through arenas or replayable quest chains. Just I, I haven't thought too much into it, but that's something I'd really like to see. Well, for all, yeah, that's not a, you know, it's not an unpopular idea because the type of play style you have is very alt centric. So, what are you thinking about most? Experience, because you play nine hundred alts. Obviously, you know you already went through the content multiple times. How can I get con experience faster so I can level all my alts? You know, experience might not be something to me who already has a VR fourteen and only messes around on alts, but. You know, someone with your type of play style, that would be a very popular request. Yeah, and I hate how the only answer people give me is, oh, well, you got to grind. No, that shouldn't be the answer. The answer to this shouldn't be, okay, I'm VR10. The quest chain in gold ends at VR10, so I have four more to go. You know, it's like... Grinding is never the answer unless you're a Korean MMO. Grinding's not the answer to me, but, you know, if you want to just solo around, you know, there's not many options you can do unless you have a strong enough build that can go in and withstand some of the stuff you face in Craglorn and stuff like that. AJ in chat says, I would love that, the furniture crafting, but what's going to happen is it'll be put in the ground store. You know, yeah. it probably uh, will, but as long as, as, long as they put a... Like what they did with the rare motifs. I hate the idea and I know they'll do it. But as long as they put the thing in there, um, like the feather bed or whatever is $50 or something insanely expensive. That's like, do you really want to buy it in crowns or would you rather give it an option? Somebody who has tons of money, they may buy it. But as long as I can make it in game, I don't hate the idea. I mean, I hate it, but not to the point where I want to throw burning mole of cocktails at, at Zoss's building. So, yeah. All right, Estaldian. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I actually, yeah, you're right. The furniture will turn up in the crown store, but I'd have no problem with being crap furniture in there and then decent stuff be crafted. Easy way of doing it. Basic furnishings for those who like housing because obviously you'd all love to have housing in the game. That wouldn't help me at all. Unless you're a crafter, Stelly, and then you could sell stuff and make money like hands over fist. That is us, true. That, us. That, you know, yeah. I don't care, but I have a bed here that you could buy. <laughs> I admit that might encourage my gameplay there, actually. So maybe there is a purpose for housing for me as well. Um, always like making making it get rich. He's, he doesn't need a house. He built it out of gold coins. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, and it's a bit of a sideline, but in Final Fantasy XIV, I made my fortune selling iron ore, which ironically I bought from the merchant about two feet away from the auction house guy and then sold it on the auction house for over twice the price. And, and people would buy it. It, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's, making, it's making thousands a day. But yeah, um, I think Abby is right. There needs to be more ways of making experience because for God's sake, there isn't anything. Go find somewhere and grind. That is just so boring. Or do the dailies again and again and again and again. 
you know, make something funky. How about a, a solo version of, a, of, of an arena? Go in there and test your metal against 10 rounds yeah. of stuff. I know, you know, so get some decent experience that way. So I know people talk about MMO and I am a big fan of the whole oh, well, group. But you know what? Sometimes you can't be asked to group. You want to come on, just do something. I still haven't and done DSA because I don't have the people to do it with. Exactly. So, you know, Me maybe too. something to sort of test yourself out. You, you know, what more do you want? Like a, a one-man version of a DSA. Get used to dodging different mechanics and, and doing stuff while also staying alive. All, all you got to do is they could do DSA one-man where they scale it. They just need to offer rewards that are scaled. You know, <laughs> like make Frankly. it so that the items aren't as good as the version you get from the four-man, the normal are the you know, but give the rewards. People will frankly at this point they could keep the rewards exactly the same as yeah. shite. Um, I just, I just <laughs> want, nothing I just want the XP. They can keep the rewards. Well the rewards are crap anyway, so Except for the master really weapons. Bad. Which which drops once in a blue moon, so and then it's the wrong bloody trait. Uh, but yeah, so they could nerf that down okay, there's no master weapon that drops and maybe there's no but whatever yes yeah, scale it people won't do it because it's fun and it gives them a chance to test a build that's not just pure dps you know it encourages you to make strange builds with survival and damage and you know it, it gives you something fun to do um for when you don't have people on and i'd like to see another arena in general you know it you're right take bring out new content with zones and quests it's going to be a lot of work but another arena you know it'll take some work but not nearly as much another 10 rounds make it a bit varied throw different sort of mechanics in there you know, just, just a bit twist on play. So you may have two or three different arenas you can go to to get your master weapon. So rather than farming the same one seven times a, a week, you're trying a couple of different ones and, you know, just having fun with those. Because uh, they give good, ex- well, they give okay experience as well because you get about two and a half champ points per, if you do it when you're enlightened. So it's not going to, it's not nothing compared to grinding, but it's a hell of a lot more fun than grinding. So as I say, more more versions of it would be nice and a solo version as well so that they can get in on the action of getting some experience without running around the same Cyrodiil delve round and round and round hours on end to get their champ points but that's really why i need more stuff to i'd say more trials but well i haven't gone to sanctum yet so i don't mind that it's, it's the four-man stuff and the sort of solo stuff oh hell a duo bloody dsa you know anything yeah, that just gives gives things fuel to do more more choices, especially for those who can't get to buddy vet fourteen because they're stuck with no quests left. Consoles are also a factor because consoles are notoriously single player unless you're playing like see like all, all the people who are probably going to buy it from consoles are thinking of Skyrim, which was solo. Like I would be interested to see the grouping mechanics. Like just I would love to see metrics, and this would probably be boring to almost everyone, but I would love to see the percentage of people that group on versus pc versus console to see what the numbers are and i know zoss has them and i would love to see that and zoss if you're listening that would be a fun little thing just to go hey when consoles release do a metric of this is the amount of people who are soloing almost everything these are the metrics of people who are grouping who are doing four man you know stuff like that i'd be really interested to see those numbers time for tales where we talk about what we did this week in game and uh avi I'm going to call you out again, sir. Hey, right on. So uh, my road for VR14 continues as my Dunmer DK finishes gold content. And now, sadly, like I just mentioned, I kind of set him aside because I can't really find too much to do by myself to gain XP. I went to Craglorn and I tried to uh, do some soloing there. That didn't turn out too well. And I even went to Cyrodiil. But uh, I joined a campaign that ate 
that the Old Mary Dominion owned everything on. And I actually had a funny little incident where I was stuck in a delve and there was this VR1480 guy running the delve by himself and I ended up trying to sneak out the whole time crouching and dodging corners and he ends up we end up turning a corner at the same time and we bump into each other and he he wipes the floor with me and then obviously I didn't get the sky shard there or anything and I get sent all the way back and it's like uh, I'm not gonna go do that again so I've been having some issue with this whole thing that's been happening but besides that uh, I've been working on my new sorcerer she's only like level six I just started her today she's a Breton sorcerer and I'm having a whole lot of fun with her. I've been really wanting to do a two-handed, two-hand. Whoops, I just muted myself. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> yeah, a two-hand. Did you get it again? I did it again. Well, <laughs> this this button is so sensitive, you know? It, it's Sorry, it's this new, uh, this new place I'm sitting where my computer is. The button's really easy to smack. Ah. Yeah, but uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm working on my new sorcerer now, and I'm loving it. I'm loving doing the two-hander sorcerer magicka stamina kind of build while I'm leveling her, and then I'll figure out what build I want to go from there. But yeah, that's pretty much been my week. It's been pretty short. I got VR nine, which I'm happy about. Uh, almost a VR eight on my Templar, who is just finishing up Deshawn and just got the Shadowfen. So yeah, that's been my week. Nice. Um, I'm actually going to go next because it kind of falls right into it because one thing that I've been doing was playing like Thaisen I got to play a little bit this week and I'll talk about that in a little bit but it's funny Avi you're talking about starting a sorcerer because the alt I've been playing most is the one I've been role playing as my battle captive my altmer she's a sorcerer and she's the one who I tried to make as hot as possible and made look just like Thais yeah (laughs) looking over at her I'm getting some husband points I told her it was unintentional. I just tried to make her as hot as I possibly could, and I made her look just like my wife. So, and completely unintentional. I just looked at her one day and went, wow, you look just like my Altmer. Huh. Yeah, when I told her that story, lots of husband points. Anyway, I've been playing her, um, and I actually went from level 21 to 26 on her, and I just started Shadowfen as well. Um, so I finished all of Deshaun on her and I'm actually doing something I normally don't do. And that is playing a caster. Like she is a, like my, I have another Sork that I play with, uh, my buddy, uh, Roxio, who's on the show earlier. Um, but I play her as a melee dual wield Sork. She's a Dunmer dual wield Sork. She's, she's a lot of fun. This one is a full robes and, and, uh, resto destro, um, and she's surprisingly fun too. I'm not sure if I like she feels powerful, but because I'm so into melee combat, I just I don't know. It's, something is just missing. Like the I, I know I hit like a truck. I know I do. And I know I probably hit harder than melee. I know I do. But it's just not as fun for me. I, I don't know why, it's just not. Um and also what I need some help with this one in that I'm hitting the point with her, and I actually have two other characters that are 27 are in the exact same area she is. Uh, Nate, you're probably going to hate me. Thaise hates me. I I can't do Shadowfen. Like, I, I'm not an Argonian lover. <laughs> and whenever I hit Shadowfen on these characters, it, it's it's where I sort of die. The only reason me why too. I got through Shadowfen on my 
on my sort my other sorcerer with Rax is because we skipped all the content. We we were so over leveled that we only did the main storyline, got the stuff, and went on to East March. Um, every time I hit Shadowfen, I I feel like I hit a brick wall, and it's not that Shadowfen's bad in any way. It's the first time I went through it was absolutely wonderful, but what the Ace is looking at me, hater? Oh. I just got yelled at. I, I don't know. It's just after doing it once, first time was wonderful. I just, there's not the draw to me. And maybe it's because no other game other than Arena went to Shadowfen. So maybe I don't have that nostalgia to draw from. Because uh, I know that really keeps me going in other areas um, other than the first time exploring. The first time exploring, I'm always in depth in it because it's the first time exploring it. Um, but because there's no nostalgia no no past experience in the zone maybe that's what kind of keeps me away and they have east march right after it and so east march is right after and you're like oh i just want to go to east march right? exactly yeah. i just want to go home um yeah so we did that um now i did get to play with these a little bit we got to do one quest and only one quest this week um and we are in Bancorai. And what's really funny is I was telling Thaise, I was listening to Elder Scrolls off the record, and I can't remember if it was Rage or, or, or um, someone else. Uh, I can't remember now who was talking about it. But they had a little rant about the quest. It's the one where you go to the town that has all these werewolves in it, even though you don't know they're werewolves. Um, and they have these, they say they'll cure you and they suppress the werewolf within you. And I don't want to spoil alert, skip ahead about five minutes. Um, I'm going to tell you the story here. You have this couple who comes into the village. The one guy is a werewolf and the other guy um, just wants to know what's going on. Because they're like, hey, they, they took they took my partner. I don't know what's going on. They won't let me see him. And you find out that, you know, they're suppressing the werewolf. So you're, you, you stop the ritual and, and the guy goes insane. So you're given an option you're either to help the partner get their 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 lover out or you kill the guy who was a werewolf you that's your choice the problem is the quest is bugged and if you try to help the other guy he never talks to you 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 go to do the one quest in the in the house and the they're like okay well you need to lure the 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 werewolf up up to the shrine so we can kill it and it's like either do this to side with the town or talk to the partner and help him to escape well if you try to do that he always has the question mark above or the the arrow above his head to talk to him but he will not respond to you we got all the way up to that and obviously nate you know how we quest we read everything we talk to everybody so the first time doing all this took us a good bit of time and then it was bugged and we couldn't progress. We actually had to drop the quest. They shared it with me and then I had to share it back with her, which unfortunately made us start all the way from the very beginning. So we had to go through, we rushed through it all again. And the only option, the only way to advance it is to kill the werewolf. Like there's no way of saving him because if you choose to save the guy, the guy gets stuck and you can't get by it. And I thought it was funny because just before that, you know, I was listening to Elder Scrolls Off the Record at work, and they talked about this quest. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. And then I ran into it during my playthrough, and went, wow, 
it didn't hit me at first until I played through it and went, this is the exact same quest they were talking about, I think. I think it is, so they can, yeah, you know, yeah, message me is. if I'm, I'm wrong. Sure. Um, but it was funny. They're like, yeah, they're... Uh, I know the one guy's like you. You could. You, there's a way to work around it. He's like, yeah, if you kill the werewolf, but if you don't want to do that, then you can't finish the quest. And uh, yeah, so we had to, despite the fact we wanted to try to save. Uh, well, I wanted to save them. And I think Thais was like, they have a good town here. Let's not do it. Um, so we eventually just went with her suggestion, which I probably should have done anyway. Cause happy wife, happy life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you were on my side? Okay, she wanted to say, but we weren't able to. Despite the fact we wanted to, we couldn't. Uh, so that was interesting. But we're just making our way through Bancorai very, very slowly. Um, we finished the whole northern half, and we're kind of working our way south. Um, and after this, we start goal content. Uh, but I think I might go do the main storyline in in a Craglorn next. So I, what, I don't. What is the main focus of the storyline in Craglorn? Because I've not done anything there, but uh, finding out why out. the the constellations are disappearing, um, which you find out like that's where you find out about the whole storyline leads up to the two trials, which is the mage and the warrior and the serpent, and right. that's what it leads up to is finding out why the constellations are coming down and you have to fight them, etc. Um, I would like to just do it so that way I could I would have something else to do because I obviously do everything with these first on my main characters. It's kind of like a way we bond together. We like doing that. So I'm not going to skip ahead and do all these things, but I would like to finish everything in Craglorn and then be able to use that as my game time on my main rather than wasting time on an alt. I know some people don't see it as wasting time, but I do because I like my main. Um, so that, that that would be nice to be able to have something to do PvE wise that I could just go into Craglorn and do dailies and stuff on my main um, rather than having to hop to an alt. So that, that'll probably be my next step before we start gold content, more than likely. I don't know why. Uh, uh, Nate, here's a good question for you. Maybe or you, anyone can answer this. When you start a, 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 a new zone, do you feel compelled mm. to finish it before you start anything else? Almost exclusively, yes. Um, but I have, in the later parts of Gold, I've stopped doing it. And the reason is because I'm finding the, the new zone too easy. So rather than going through, because I'm still, I'm vet 12. So things are still reasonably easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've wanted to try and make it as hard as possible for myself. It's naturally difficult. So I've not been doing a lot of the extra stuff just so I can at least feel more of a challenge in the, the latter zones. Hmm. Yeah. See, with me, though, with an MMO, with leveling, I understand. Like, I like challenge. Um, off topic, but I've recently been playing Witcher 3. That obviously came out. I picked the hardest difficulty. Like, literally the hardest one you could do for my first playthrough. And it hurts. Um, but with MMOs, obviously with leveling systems, I, I reserve my hard content for vet dungeons and, and trials because I know that's where it's at. I do all the other stuff for the story. And whenever I'm playing, I just, I hate mixing my storylines. Like when you're going through a zone, it's an overarching storyline and I like to finish yeah. it and wrap it up. Kind of like finishing a book. I like to finish the book before I start a new book. That's just how I am. So 
I'm the same, to be honest. I can't stand not finishing a zone. Yeah. Even on ults, I'm like, oh, I should just grind, I can grind, get levels faster. It's like, I can't, I can't leave a zone incomplete. It just annoys the hell out of me. So I have to go through the whole thing. Yep. You know, I won't read the quest because obviously I know them now. But oh, even then, sometimes if I've got one, I'll read it. But I have to at least do it. I can't have a load of black splodges on my map. Yep. That annoys me. And it's just something I have to do. I, I cannot jump off and do something else. Like, it, it, with my level, like, for me, I'm already VR 14. I grinded my way in Craghorn. Um, but it, it, it's not it's not that big of a deal like leveling one. I'm doing it for the story. I cannot just put a zone down and go to a different one. I just, I can't do it. Especially in my main. It's like, nope, I'm here until the end and then I'll move. Alright, well, uh, I'll stop talking and I will let someone else go because that was my weekend game. So, uh, let's see. Who am I missing? Esteldian? Uh, yep. Um, my in-game time, as mentioned earlier, has mostly been dabbling around in PvP. In fact, just the other day there was, I think, 11 of us guildies just running around as a group having a bit of fun, taking over some keeps. So that was a nice impromptu sort of run around as a guild event in PvP land, so that was a lot of fun. Earlier in the week, I went with a few other guildies to get them their first victory in Vet DSA. That went rather well. Yeah, so that was also amusing because I was I tanked that time. I never even been, no, I wasn't tank, which is nice because I've only had to tank it once. Um, so I just got to enjoy just being DPS, and I tanked the uh, I was the the off tank in the final phase there. So that was also most enjoyable. I do like a bit of vet DSA. Finally got the hang of it. Pretty confident every time we go in there, we're going to finish it, which is uh, a big difference from just a few months ago where it just seemed like it was never going to happen. Uh, and then, of course, we did our trials on Friday night. We went and did the trials, and we just ran through AA and Hellra there. So we're getting close to getting under the 30-minute marks, even though we're also telling people the uh, mechanics before each fight, so we're getting better and better there. Um, we've been doing some DPS checks for those interested. I say we're not too anal about it, but those who want to see what they're doing and if they can push up, we can just take them to the croc in Wayrest, just for a little basic one. I know it's not entirely accurate, but just to ensure that sort of getting around the 8,000 mark. And most seem to be hitting, or at least after a little tweaking here and there, over 10,000, so that's a, a good sign. Uh, so I'm always uh, 8,000, but I should be closer to 12 to 14, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, so I uh, say so quite a few people were like that, so we took them in to kill the croc and then have a look at sort of any, any glaring mistakes or or sort of slight improvements that can be made to the builds um, and uh, say one person was only on six and a half thousand and a few tweaks later she was getting 12 13 thousand because obviously she's a dk so they're overpowered but you know that was just a few tweaks and before you know it she's rocking much higher numbers so that was a good little session to see where everyone was at it was more an interest a to help people out and b just so we had an idea of how close we are to being able to go into sanctum because obviously we want to start doing that and we're fairly confident it looks like most people are closer to 10 than they are the 8 which is a, a good sign so hmm. we'll likely start delving into there soon other nice. than that I, uh, that was pretty much the the week's goodies okay um, and Nate I think you're the last one right I am the last one I, I mean I kind of spoiled this section for myself by mentioning what I did earlier but um, I've been doing a lot of PvP recently getting um I was going to say getting better at that, getting less bad at that. <laughs> um, 
and uh, but I, I've also just been aside from finishing some of the um, the gold quests in uh, Malabel Tor, I have been um, playing quite a lot of Oblivion, and I'm currently going through the Dark Brotherhood quest in quest line in in Oblivion and enjoying that, finding it quite interesting. Reading a lot of stuff in there that I've I've become very used to associating with ESO, such as the Amulet of Kings and just some of the mentions for things that because of how close I have been to ESO over the last year or so, um, whenever anything in other Elder Scrolls um, games or videos comes up that's mentioned in ESO, it's just like, ah, it's just like a little reminder, Um, which is weird because it never happened, it didn't happen the other way around. When the Amulet of Kings um, stuff was being talked about for the first time in ESO, I didn't think, ooh, that came up quite a lot in Oblivion. but it does work the other way around. So, yeah, that's been quite fun. After that, I'm going to move on to Morrowind and then do Skyrim again. And by that time, maybe they'll have put some new content in ESO. I think uh, after I'm done with The Witcher, it's something I'm probably going to do is uh, do the graphics update mod for Morrowind. And I really want to get into that and explore some of the areas that I know are coming in further DLC, such as the Clockwork City. I really want to do a comparison between the Clockwork City in, in Morrowind and the one that will be coming out in ESO. So I really want to hop in there again and yeah, and, and do that. That'd be fun. All right. Well, that is our tales for this week, everyone. And uh, Thais is back. She looks hot and tired. <laughs> yes, very. Very hot and tired. Um, hot in both the temperature-wise and the sexy-wise. All for the fans, though. We turned the air conditioner off. Yeah. She's dying for you guys. (laughs) I am stripping for all of you. Why not? Naked Nord. Naked Nord. That's right. Where are my pants? There's a quest for them. Um, Well, why not? The first 30 minutes of the show was just a debellin dirty mess. So why not? Why not just be naked for the rest of the show? That's right. Uh, but we do have. Oh, I've been naked from the start. <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty I don't know what close you're talking about. The start. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hot. So, um, the final book from the Data Mine series, which is the Tribes of Merkmire Tribal Connections. This is the last one, guys. Then we'll continue back with our uh, normal one. Um, yeah, but this week, final one. So, Thais, get your hist on. <laughs> While I have learned a tremendous amount about individual tribes, I feel that I am still missing some crucial insights on intertribal relations. There is a bizarre kind of fraternity here that contradicts almost everything I've seen. Despite the violent raids, the dead stealing, and the poaching, the Argonians still look upon one another as egg brothers and egg sisters. For example, just the other day, I saw a family of Meyer dancers playing Tiba Hatse with a handful of Tom Talil raiders. This was only a few hours after a violent clash claimed the life of one of the Tum Talil. I've never seen the like. It's as though there's an enforced forgetfulness or a culture of exceptional forgiveness that defines all intertribal relationships. At least some of this fraternal behavior must be rooted in their shared racial narrative. The tribes of Black Marsh have had to set aside their differences on countless occasions to repel invaders from Morrowind and Cyrodiil. 
they also seem to understand how much they rely upon one another, far better than most men or mer I've met. The Tumtalil recognize that they need other tribes to create homes and goods for them to steal. The Mire Dancers know they need the Tumtalil to defend their borders and fend off the larger swamp predators. The Black Tongues know that they need the Hetepslil to raise the crops they use in their alchemical brews. The Brightthroats know that they need the, the Black Tongues' shadow scales to enforce swamp law upon crooked outsiders who disrupt honest trade. And on and on it goes. Religion also plays a role. I asked my friend Ute how they could be so forgiving. He made specific reference to their nebulous belief in reincarnation. We are all people of the root, he explained. A black tongue may become a mire dancer in the fullness of time, and a mire dancer a black tongue. Only the hist knows such things. To hate each other is to hate ourselves. And what profits is Sax Leal to hate himself? Better to forget and move on. After some contemplation, I can't help but think that we could all use a little forgetfulness every now and again. No wonder you love these Argonians. I am such an Argonian. <laughs> you know, they did confirm race changes. They have confirmed that that will be a crown store item once, uh, I think, was it next content update after they, they don't want to do any sweeping changes to, uh, uh so it could be like a year from now. Okay. No, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they don't want to do any sweeping changes without it being available. Cause they, this was mentioned in a, when they were talking about racials and going, Hey, we want to change, you know, we don't want to make any drastic changes to racials until we offer race changes because we don't want people to go well i had the best racials and now my racials suck I, without being able to change so i don't care how much it costs you're getting it for me oh wow i see yeah are you going you already have your scales picked out oh yeah definitely nice yeah. nate blue. you're blue? blue nate you're also an argonian lover and uh, i yeah. know you listen to the show what did you think of the tribes of Merkmire series um, I enjoy the tribes of Mugmai, but I enjoy everything that has anything to do with Argonians. See? Argonian right there. He's he's like my favorite person <laughs> because he loves Argonians as much as I do. Well, I mean, I love them more, but he's close. <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. He greeted us with uh, an Argonian greeting. I, I haven't heard you make any scale reference. Yeah, well, that's because I had to dumb myself down to with the rest of you other people. Oh. See. That's I see. how nice I am. I see. Wow. All right, then. I guess that's about it, really. I mean, all right. Uh, final section for this show really is our add-on spotlight and Esteldian. That would be you, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, an add-on of interest. An ad you got like 900 of them. Pick one. <laughs> yeah. Um... I guess, have we done Srendar yet? We might have done Srendar. I don't think so. Oh, no? Okay. Well, Srendar is what you can see on the bottom right of my screen in a sec. Go on. Let me get on the add-on settings. This one is very much an MMOers one. So for those who don't like clogging up their screen, you'll probably not want them. As you can see on the right side of my screen, all my buffs appear at the bottom right. Which is really handy if you're using if you're a caster and using entropy, etc., because it puts up the 20 second 
sort of a major prophecy buff for you so you can see when that's counting down so you don't overcast the spell it's much easier to keep an eye on it especially as the duration of the major prophecy is longer than the duration of the actual dot that the actual spell puts on the mob so it's just a very handy way of keeping track of all the various things you've got going on your vamp's bane um well not not on the bottom right side that's that's i think like your major savagery everything that self buffs you basically appears there which is great it's not entirely accurate because it's based on when you press the button because obviously the game's API doesn't let you properly log it, but it's accurate enough to help maximize your play, as it were. Um, as you may have just seen a second ago on the middle of my screen, that's where my debuffs go. So again, when I cast, when I put the actual dots on the mobs, I can see roughly how long left till it wears out so that I don't overcast them. I know in theory you can see the, the, uh, the mobs themselves, and you can, you can tell by their graphic when it runs off. That's great in theory, but... If you've done any trials and you've seen the exploding meteors going on, good luck trying to actually identify what the hell's being cast on the mob from you. So this helps keep an eye on that as well. In particular, if you're a tank, it's a lifesaver because it counts down your taunt. So you, you can see when your taunt's going to wear off because otherwise you have to sit there and wait till the red anger mark leaves the mob and by then you've actually lost the aggro. So it's a good idea to have this so you don't over taunt. I usually do it not when it runs out because again, it's not 100% accurate, but usually around when, when the bar gets fairly close to empty. I will retaunt the mobs. So I love this add-on, and I know it's very MMO-y, so for a lot of you Elder Scrolls fans, you're probably disgusted, but I couldn't go without it, I'll be honest with you. You can turn off the long-term buffs so that you can have a less clog screen, so you can see all my um, PvP buffs there, but there is a way of turning that off, if you like, so that you are not over-clogging your screen. But um, yeah, in action here, if I zap this rat you can see my vamps banes appeared in the middle of the screen you can see my bajillion buffs on the uh the bottom side i put entropy on it's on both because of the buff and debuff going on so yeah very very handy one so that's the Srendar, which is well worth getting if you are an mmo man or woman excellent excellent i i, I like Srendar. uh i think i still use tactory founder <laughs> Tactical Foundry Combat for my buffs, but Shrendar, I know, is a real popular one. Yeah, well, I have FTC on as well, but I didn't like the buffs so much. I don't think it was as good, so I used both. Okay. All right. Um, well, this week, our guild raffle did not hit over 50K, so we're going to roll that right into next week. Um, so keep your keep your bids coming in, and uh, we'll, we'll draw a winner next week after we hit over that amount. Um, been a busy week all around and i know we won our guild trader in i think it's the rift the rift yeah. and yes. the Molten. so that was good we finally got one of them in a while so hopefully we keep that up uh avi would you like to do a guild thing for yours yeah sure uh mortal entity is a pve guild for the daggerfall covenant on the north american mega server recruiting members of all levels though we are going for more of an in-game style approach uh if you want to join you can just message me at avi optimal in game or you can find us at our website at mortalentity.gamerlaunch.com excellent and um Stelian. Uh, yes, Crucio Sanctorum, Daggerfall Covenant faction on the EU server, is definitely looking for a few more players so that we can pretty much guarantee that we have raids going on a Wednesday and a Friday. Uh, although we actually we've put a poll up to check what days everyone wants, but those are current days. Um, we could do with a few more people. 
Uh, I think we've got 27 members at the moment. I'd like to get around 35 or so, to be honest. I think that's a fairly safe number to ensure you'd always have 12, even when people are away, etc. Uh, so in particular, if you're vet leveled, um, um, we'd be very interested in you putting in an application. But as I say, any level is welcome. It's just, um, as you can see from our roster, pretty much everyone's vet 14 or in the high vet level. So there's probably not much you'd gain as a non-vet person with us. But if you're leveling quickly, who cares? You'll get there. Um, so if you are interested, go to our uh, website, which is, I uh, can't remember, is it Crucial Sanctorum? Is it engine first or second? Abby will know. It should be after. Oh, after. Yes, it's cruciosanctorum.engine.com. Uh, you can also find it on the About Us on the Dungeon Caller Network page. Excellent. Um, Nate, did you have anything or... Uh, <clears throat> no. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to ask. I didn't want to be like, I'm going to skip him because I, di- I didn't think you did, but I wasn't going to be like, I'm going to skip him and be like, hey, what about me? No, I'm in, I'm in the EP guild, Aleth, which uh, is generally pretty awesome. And we do a lot of guild runs for pretty much everything. Lots of courses and tutorials as well, which is a lot of fun for me, particularly because I don't know what the hell I'm doing in half of the trials and uh, PvP stuff. So that's quite useful. Nice. All right, guys, we've reached the end of our show. Very long one, actually. Surprised at this. Um, but we'll go around, give our final thoughts, and uh, where everyone can follow us. Uh, Ace, since you're still here, would you like to give your final thoughts? I was very happy to be able to participate this week. Hopefully I'll be able to join again in, in the next coming weeks because I really miss it. I really miss doing the show. <laughs> we miss having you. Our, our, our listener views have went down like terribly since you're not on the show. People realize we're all filler and it's all you. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry to do that to you. I know. I, I feel really bad. Our numbers are terrible because of this. I, I bet. I might just have to come back, you know, just, just for that. Uh, you should. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a great show. I'm, I'm glad I was able to make it. Really. Good. Good. I hope you claw your way back soon. Claw. <laughs> See, they're more Argonian stuff. I don't know. You're saying you love Argonians more, and yet Nate's showing you up. He's definitely my favorite person ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, Nate, as our guest, what are your final thoughts? I've been very happy to do this show. Uh, it's nearly three hours of recording, and that's, that's a great pleasure for me on a Sunday night. Huh? So thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Excellent. So glad you uh, you could come on, and um, we love having you, obviously. So I'm I'm glad the three hours doesn't turn you off. <laughs> um, no, 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 not not at all, not at all. And um, we my my the the other show that I do, ESO RP, is sort of moving to biweekly. So it's sort of one week on, one week off. But unfortunately, for the last two times we've recorded, I've had to head up home for a family-related uh, issue. So I've missed the most recent couple of those shows as well. Um, but that is normally where you can catch me every other week on ESO RP. Nice, nice. And possibly if I beg nice enough and Nate's not busy, you'll hear him other weeks on our show. Just saying. This is true. This <laughs> is true, very true. You just have to ask real nicely to Nate and make sure he's not busy and alternating weeks. He, he could possibly guess for us because we love having you. You're awesome. I've only done three podcasts today. Only three. Well, see, there you go. It's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, let's see. 
what, who am I missing here? Oh, all of us. Uh, Avi. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for having me as always. Had a really good time. I always look forward to coming back every week and talking some Elder Scrolls with you guys. Excellent. Uh, Steldian. Uh, yeah, it was an impressively long show. Uh, not bad, I'm saying there's not much content around to talk about, but we managed. It must be Nate's fault. It must be a bit of a windbag. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it was a lot of fun. Always nice to have another Brit on the show. So happy days. Thanks to everyone who came and listened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I love having like all of our all, all of my normal DCN crew on here. Uh, Thais, obviously, she's normal DCN, but she's been on hiatus sick lately. Baby, Nord. It's a Nord. She's shaking her head saying it's an Argonian, but I think it's a Nord. Uh, and obviously, it's always a pleasure to have Nate on the show. Love having you on, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, thank you. <laughs> it's scaled Nord. Uh, yeah, as Acelian said, it's great getting to be with you guys and talk Elder Scrolls because somehow or another we managed to pull out almost three hours of talking out of almost zero news how we do that i don't know it just happens um and and just to prove wrong everyone always says before shows i always go and hey, this will be a short show today i didn't say it today and we still ran for a good long time just saying that's that's true i did not say it because every time i say it's going to be a short show before the show starts it ends up being a long one and this one has been very long but I hope you all enjoy it, and I do want to thank everyone for coming out and listening, both in the live show, thank you, Active Chat Room, and those of you who are listening in podcast land or on YouTube, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And uh, come back next time, everyone. Have a good night. Good night, all. You just listened to another episode of Tales of Tamriel, a Dungeon Crawler Network production. If you want to get involved, please be sure to check out our website at www.dungeoncrawlernetwork.com. Please be sure to follow us on our social media and YouTube channels. We can be found on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dungeoncrawlernetwork, on Twitter at dungeoncrawlnet, and at Tales of Tamriel and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamriel podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next time.